0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on February the 27th, 2018. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the nemesis to Jack Thompson. Caffeine Rage. On today's show... We are going to be doing things a bit differently than usual. We will probably be skipping the games that we played. We'll be jumping straight into Game Club this month, which was Xenonauts. We'll be discussing next month's Game Club. We're going to be talking quite a bit about how video games are under fire again after the most recent school shooting. The ESRB announces a label covering in-game purchases. A flight sim group puts malware in a Jet DLC and calls it DRM. We're going to be skipping Community Corner this week, and we will have our weekly Discovery queue. Time steps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. How are you? Uh, well, I think I'm, well, back to normal for
1: myself, which, uh, finally got rid of the, uh, all the sniffles, all the headaches, everything else. Just in time for Game Club. Yay! This was a great
0: month for a strategy game. Oh yeah, definitely. I was, uh... Pretty good this month. Mostly better. I had the something going on Sunday and Dr. Katie made me like sit in bed all day. She was like, No, this is not becoming a sickness. I don't care if it's just your prototype. <laughs> We're not getting sick anymore. No one in this house is getting sick. I don't Says know. The if I was, bringer. Yeah, I don't know if I was really sick or not, but I rested all day Sunday and by Monday I was fine. And I'm also fine today, so if it was an illness, following the doctor's orders, took care of it. Yeah, well, my primary problem, it
1: wasn't something that knocked me out. It just, I had at least a marginal headache for a week and a half. And it's one of those things that, just enough to
0: really throw me off my game. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult to play video games when you have a headache because staring at a screen usually makes that worse because of the light mm-hmm. and things.
1: Yeah, uh, granted, I could still play pretty much my autopilot games. You know, things i not really have to think about. You know, Warframe, uh, Spin Tires, uh, Euro Truck. Granted, Euro Truck and Spin Tires are a lot slower paced and they're also usually a lot darker. So, you know, the light issue doesn't uh, come into play, but yeah, I didn't get as much time in Game Club as I
0: would have liked to, but let's just jump right in, shall we? Yes, indeed. Rage, would you like to tell the good listeners, in case they're brand new or have a very short memory, what Game Club is? And it's quite possible that we have some new listeners. So I've been running uh, some advertising again for the show, and we've gotten a couple of new uh, subscribers on Podbean, which means that there's probably a couple others that are using other services.
1: Yes, yeah, so Game Club is a... Coming together of both myself's and Jared's tastes and playing the same game for once. We typically don't play the same games at the same time. So Game Club is to spend time on the same game and really have an in-depth discussion about story, mechanics, and that sort of thing. And for this month, we decided to focus on Xenonauts. I threw it on my possible games as a sort of a lark. And you like, ooh, yeah, let's do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was very excited for this. Uh, Xenonauts, in case you do not know, is a turn-based strategy game, which is the considered the spiritual successor to the original XCOM titles. Um, it keeps the same, uh, well, n- not same, but roughly the same art style and the same isometric, unmovable camera view and brings an emphasis back to more expendable soldiers and makes the air game much more important than the more recent XCOM games, uh, especially XCOM 2, which has no air combat at all.
1: Yeah, it's so, uh, very different. Uh, not playing the original Xen- or uh, re- original XCOM, going to Xenonauts after playing the newer XCOMs. It's a completely different experience.
0: Yeah, I've played the old XCOMs. Uh, I've said this on the show a couple times before, but since it's relevant to Xenonauts, I might talk about XCOM for just an extra minute. Uh, I played the XCOM that released in, what was it, 2008 or 9? The, the first sort of remake or reboot. Yeah, the Firaxis reboot of XCOM. Uh,
1: yeah, I played the first learned, one of on
0: that. I learned that there were older XCOM games after I played that, and I, like, I was like, oh, okay, I'll go back and check these out and i have played through the first xcom some i forget what its like title is beyond just xcom i think it's got like a subtitle um and i have played through that and i have played some of xcom ufo defense which was a flight game and then i've played the expansion or the first sequel to xcom uh which i believe is under the deep or the deep or something like that, yeah. The original um, which adds X-coms, underwater, even though
1: I never played them. I did watch, uh, I think it was Lazy Game Reviewer, he did a uh, video on the older XCOMs at one point, and they're a pseudo uh, tied together series, uh, with, uh, some, with some of the spinoffs uh, covering other aspects of the story. It's a weird combination,
0: um, yeah. Um but Xenonauts compared to the original XCOM they are pretty close and I I understand or can you know it's easy to see why Xenonauts is considered the spiritual successor and um I mean that was what they were going for was to make a modern version of the old XCOM games. Um and aside from graphical improvements I mean Xenonauts looks what's the right way to say it I mean it's got a particular art style it doesn't look old but it's not a flashy, high-end graphics. Low fidelity. Modern. Yeah, low fidelity, maybe. It's charming. It's got a good charm to it, I should say. It doesn't just look ugly. Uh, so, as, yeah, aside from that sort of graphical upgrade, or that graphic style change, it's it's pretty much beat for beat the old XCOM game. Combat works the same way. You have time units as opposed to just a set number of actions that you can perform per turn. You can move and attack independently, um the original XCOM doesn't really have a cover system. It's kind of got all or nothing. Either you're completely b- blocked by a piece of cover or you're completely exposed. Um the original XCOM, the entire map is completely destructible and later on in Xenonauts you can do that with tanks and things, but in general, you're not going to be destroying the entire map whereas in the original At XCOM. attitude. in the original XCOM, one of the best ways to win particularly uh Well, pretty much all the time, because in the early game, you're way underpowered, and then in the late game, enemies can shoot you from all the way across the map when you can't see them. So the best way to win is to just take a tank and level the whole map, and then go kill the aliens. So there's that. And then air combat uh, is similar, um, but Xenodots has better air combat, with you being able to fully take control of the battles. In the original XCOM, you could have squads of up to four fighters, um or wings of up to four fighters. And basically all you did was select the fighter and select the loadout that they had, and then the battle pretty much played out automatically and you just could watch it. But it was the same sort of top-down, looking at stats of your aircraft sort of thing. You had no... uh, Some other minor changes in XCOM compared to Xenonauts. The loadout system works basically the same way, but in XCOM, you did have to produce all of your weapons and ammunition. Full stop for everything. At the beginning of the game, you know, you had a an armory full of standard earth weapons and ammo. But when that stuff ran out, it was gone. And you had to actually produce new weapons and ammo. Um, Xenonauts gives you unlimited ammo for everything. And unlimited equipment. So your grenades and med packs and all of that. But you have to produce weapons beyond the starting human weapons. And then in original XCOM, the best way to make money was to mass produce the shit out of laser weapons, because you could produce those without having any alien artifacts once you got the tech, Um, and you could sell them to other countries around the world for money. That was the best way to fund your development. Uh, Whereas in Xenonauts, you can sell items that you're not using anymore, but you can't actually make money on them. They all sell for a flat 50% of their monetary value. Which, that was a pretty easy way to break XCOM in the very beginning, like... Research laser technology, produce a mi- you know a thousand laser pistols and sell those, and you're pretty much funded for up to the mid game. I don't think there's any more major differences to point out between the two. Otherwise, like uh, I said, pretty uh, much beat the for beat, Xenonauts work, uh, is the same way. Oh, right, there are no classes in XCOM. Uh, soldiers have random stats, and there are different you know, different types of weapons. So it pretty much works the same way. Yeah, it works exactly the same. Xenonauts makes it a little more clean because you can set up predefined loadouts per a class. And if you see a guy that's got stats to roughly fit a certain class, you can just make him that class and equip. It'll put the default loadout on him and then you can adjust from there. Whereas in XCOM, you just have to go in and be like, okay, this guy's got the stats for this. Let me set him up as a sniper or a rocket man or something. Uh, wait, so. you had Elton John? Yes, I did. Or, 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 or is it a midget, of uh,
1: Rocket Man? So we're talking uh, North Korea.
0: <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Um, but yeah, that's otherwise it works pretty much the same. Um, the only major difference being the story, and then some nuances, which we'll get into as we talk about the game. Um, because essentially in XCOM. As you research alien tech, everything you get is, you know, an improvement and going to be something that is better than what the aliens have because of magic human research. And also in XCOM, you can get psionic soldiers, whereas in uh, Xenonauts, whenever you research that, they're like, yeah, there's absolutely no way to apply this without completely changing our genetics and we don't have the technology for that. So, Kind of a dick move there, huh? Yeah, it's gr- the game does so several of those things to subvert your expectations. Um, yeah, well, isn't the initial research uh, kind
1: of a subversion uh, based on the newer XCOM? Uh, which would- Research uh, would-
0: Researching the uh, alien alloys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you think whenever you research the alien alloys, the first thing you're going to get is some kind of armor. Nope. Uh, but you don't. You actually get armor from researching the weapons. Which actually makes a
1: hell of a lot more sense.
0: That does make a lot more sense, because it's like, we don't know what these weapons do, but after analyzing them, we can kind of use our technology to maybe give our soldiers a chance to sur- survive. Maybe. Yeah, they're not going to be as expendable now. Yeah, t- soldiers and Xenonauts are much more expendable than than in modern XCOM. It's Like I said, this is roughly on par with the original XCOM. I mean, you had a few guys that it was like, okay, you're really high level. I should probably keep you alive to lead teams because your highest level troopers confer bonuses to the lower level troopers. Uh But other than that, there's no reason to keep them alive. Whereas in modern day XCOM, it's much more RPG-esque. So losing your soldiers means you've lost a lot of investment in terms of your squad composition and abilities they bring to the table. Well, modern XCOMs, uh, well, like you said, the RPG... uh makes
1: the individual power creep on each uh sol- or on each soldier a hell of a
0: lot more important. Yeah and, yeah. and the amount of soldiers you bring to battle in modern XCOM versus Xenonauts, like the starting troop transport can carry eight soldiers, which is more than the end game soldier uh transport capacity you have in, in XCOM, which is six by default. Yeah, that never made sense to me. No. Eight still seems a little bit small, but for what you're doing but they kind of explained it fairly well um so the xenonauts are using at the beginning of the game like experimental human tech and all of their stuff is outfitted for range because you have one base at the beginning of the game so okay before we start getting carried away do we want to talk about the mechanics yeah let's talk a little plays bit out.
1: mechanics because uh did you run any mods whatsoever
0: no, I played complete bone stock for my playthrough, and then I played a little bit with the, what was it, the community extended mod or whatever it yeah, was, which is, which is basically just a big patch. Yeah,
1: yeah, I played with uh, just a couple cosmetic mods, uh, adding uh, more soldier faces, that sort of thing, but the big one I changed was I had a cover indicator, or a proper cover indicator, because yeah. the, the base game does have it, but it's rather confusing.
0: And the game doesn't really explain a few mechanics like cover all that well. Yeah, the game doesn't really explain much of anything aside from some very basic. Here's the world map and what you do, and here's the base map, and here's how you handle air combat, and then it tells you how to win missions. Yeah, That's so about uh, it.
1: the indicator I had it shows uh, full, uh, tall, and half cover. Which is a, a sort of the equivalent of the modern XCOM uh, versions of cover. Uh, yeah, and the thing is that cover is not uh, handled quite the same way. It's it's considered a blocking mechanic, and then your soldier's uh, hit chance is applied after that. So standing behind something that is very
0: solid actually makes a lot more sense in the, in Xenonauts and does XCOM. Right, because in XCOM. You can stand behind a chain link fence and have full cover. And, you know, all the benefits that confers. Whereas standing behind a chain link fence and Xenonauts... It gives a little no- bit. Uh, it but, gives a little bit, but yeah. But that's more due to alien weapons than anything else. Because alien weapons are
1: all plasma-based. So, you know, they're pretty hefty uh, projectiles.
0: Yeah. Also, the cover mechanics... Uh, all cover is destructible in Xenonauts. Mm -hmm. So if a piece of cover is destroyed, the leftover damage is transferred to your character, which I thought was interesting. Although you do get armor bonuses as well in the later game, which can negate a lot of damage Uh, when you're in cover. Yeah,
1: I unlocked the third tier of uh, uh, armor. I wasn't able to produce it because I just didn't have enough time. I I was rushing through this last
0: few days just trying to get some more uh, gameplay in. Okay. A- when you say third tier, do you mean the one after the jackal, which is the wolf, or the one after the wolf? Uh, I think it's the wolf, but I also got the one with the jump jets. Okay, that's the vulture, which has less armor than the wolf, but more than the jackal. Yeah, Uh,
1: but uh, it's pretty crazy just how durable it gets created. Yeah. There's a reason for that, because the aliens also start ramping up pretty heavily.
0: Yeah, thankfully, as far as weapons go, the aliens get a couple more powerful weapons, but their weapons tech doesn't evolve very much over the course of the game. Which makes sense, really. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, they're coming in with what they have, and as you meet their more elite troops, you see basically the alien version of the rocket launcher, the alien version of the shotgun, and the alien version of the sniper rifle.
1: Yeah, something we didn't mention about the cover uh, that we probably should is that it's eight-directional, not four-directional, like the modern XCOM. Yeah, and that's quite the difference. In the first time I fired up the game after getting it, it completely threw me because I didn't realize it was eight directional because he didn't exactly explain the cover mechanics all that well. So I was getting hit and I wasn't understanding why at first.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can kind without the mod. The mod is helpful, and the community extended whatever has the better cover system built into it. But without the mod, you can kind of figure it out. Yeah, it's color-based. Um, it's,
1: uh, it's sort of an inverse uh, stoplight, where red is uh, full cover, you can't uh, shoot. Uh, but green is just very low cover, it gives a small bonus. but
0: Yeah, and then yellow is, you know, intermediate. Uh, and then there's also grayed out. Um, Which is no cover. Right, no cover in that direction on whatever object you're snuggled up against for cover
1: which is also important because
0: usually that's an indicator that you could duck around and shoot right uh you can also do what what's the correct term for it? stacking well i was going
1: to say crouching as well it's also considered a cover mechanic
0: oh yeah crouching gives you a smaller silhouette which reduces your chance to be hit and then gives a a an accuracy bonus as well
1: it's very important actually
0: especially in the early game towards the the late game or it, maybe even the mid game once you've got soldiers, if you've been able to keep some alive that are <laughs> higher rank, uh, it becomes less important. But still, I mean, even at the very end of the game, it's like, okay, I'm just gonna crouch, get that extra like five, three to five percent hit chance, and hope for the best. Um, but what what I'm talking about is that you can stack your guys behind each other. You can have one person crouch. And they actually provide a cover bonus for the guy who's standing behind them. So you can use your shields <laughs> to help breach, put your guys with shields in front, and have them crouch down. And then they'll provide a cover bonus and a handy-dandy meat shield for <laughs> the guy behind them with the shotgun. Yeah, for
1: like one shot or two. Uh, really
0: good shots.
1: Because those, those yeah. shields don't last too long.
0: Did you get the upgraded shields? No, I didn't. Okay, the upgraded shields have twice the HP plus a higher damage soak bonus because they're made with alien alloys instead of human materials. So they last quite a bit longer. I see. I didn't get that. I had to yeah. eventually
1: just give up on the, uh, on my breacher class, which was a guy usually with a pistol and uh, a, a, a ballistic shield that he yeah. was uh, first into the alien ship, which is usually for, well, for most missions, uh, capturing the alien ship is a, uh, an automatic win after five turns if you don't kill all the aliens but uh i was getting to the point where they i was getting too many aliens so i was uh, losing my preachers more than i was uh,
0: having them level yeah did you so the way the way that soldier loadouts work is that you can equip items into your soldier's hands two-handed items use both hands obviously and then one-handed items you can put two different items in each hand then they have a backpack which is where you're able to store most of the stuff and then they have a belt where you can put grenades or ammo or other things you want to access quickly without having to suffer a penalty cuz even though they're not like physically like reaching into their pack you uh, uh, incur time unit penalties for having to like dig around in your backpack to mm-hmm. find stuff. It does some pretty like common sense things that you think of but most games don't handle stuff like this. Like if you put a grenade in one of your guy's hands, then there's no additional penalty to pull it off your belt and it uses like around half the amount of time units to chuck a grenade, yeah, and it confers an accuracy bonus, because your guy's already holding it, so it's not like he's having to reach down and grab the grenade. Um, See, I didn't realize it
1: gave an accuracy bonus, but uh, usually I would have all my grenades on my belt with
0: uh, ammo as well. Dual-wielding pistols confers an accuracy penalty.
1: Uh, Once Um, again,
0: common sense. Yeah. Um, Using a pistol and a shield, though, doesn't confer any sort of... Penalty or bonus, but even if it had an accuracy penalty, it would be worth it to have the shield, especially in the beginning.
1: Yeah, uh, the
0: uh, the ballistic shield for the first few missions is just amazing. It's pretty much the only way to guarantee that your soldier survives if they get shot, as long as they get shot in the front where the shield is. At the beginning of the game, if you have someone survive a shot from an alien, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. I mean, the, uh, understandably so, like the plasma weapons just tear right through your soldiers and kill them, usually in one hit. Um, There is a, a mechanic where that you can recover troopers at the end of a battle. Uh, There's like an overkill penalty. This is all behind the scenes stuff. I did a lot of research on the game mechanics after I beat the game because I didn't want to like cheat or feel like I was cheating. But there's an overkill mechanic where that if your soldier dies, but only like just a little bit, just a little, then time. then they'll be recoverable after the mission, and they're severely wounded, but you can bring them back and they'll survive. Um, yeah, but there's don't also, love the corpse by the way, because yeah, that, you can't just recover this, uh, recover them with a sponge and be uh, okay. Well, you're good. <laughs> no, yeah, you can't recover the jibs. Um, the game itself is divided into. Three separate, I guess four separate parts if you count base building. So there's the the world map, which is where you spend most of your time. Uh, And this is where you um, just watch things happen, send aircraft after alien ships, uh, send your ground troops against downed, be it crash landed or the aliens have landed the normal way against those ships. Um, Then there's the air combat sort of mini game. Which, most of those fa- battles, if you actually take control, you can just auto-resolve, and it'll, it shows you your percentage chance to win an auto-resolve battle. Yeah, honestly, I just auto-resolve most of the time. I would auto-resolve if it was 75% or higher. Pretty and much, it was-, it was either always
1: over 90% or zero, because my uh, planes
0: got jumped. Right. You can actually win a lot of the 0% battles when you take over. The most- Unless your planes are actually intercepted by the alien interceptors, yeah. This was, most of the uh, time when it says 0%, it's because your planes don't have enough fuel. Well, what happened to me was, uh, this: uh, I had a very rough start
1: to my game. I uh, immediately established my first base in North Africa to cover Europe, the east part of uh, the Soviet Union, Asia, you know, that sort of thing. The Middle East and North Africa, which I think is probably the best spot to start off either there or uh, Middle East to cover multiple areas.
0: Yeah, I I put my starting base for this playthrough, because I've played, well, this is my first start-to-finish playthrough, but I've started, like, five playthroughs before and experimented with different base location placements. Northern Africa or Indochina or sort of your two best places to start, because if you start so roughly in the middle, maybe to the eastern part of Indochina, you can cover Russia, Um the Indochina funding block and you, uh, just the tip of Northern Africa and then just the, the tip of, uh, Australia. So you get access Here to like five, tip. you get, you can defend like five funding blocks from that starting location, which is really important to being able to get your next couple bases off the ground.
1: But I established there and I quickly, uh, built my second base and, uh, I guess Texas would be the proper, uh, area somewhere in there to cover north america and uh central america because in my first month north america was just getting hammered and i needed to uh, take care of them because yeah so set up my second base there and i sent my uh, first few planes over as well as my first uh uh few of my uh, workshop planes well Get a pretty good sized uh, alien craft come in. Send off uh, the Foxrots uh, to handle yep. it. The first research, yeah. Plane, okay. They get halfway there and then they get jumped by fighters. That's rough. That's uh, I, really I mean, rough. there's no way to deal with that because uh, they were running torpedoes. Yeah, uh, which is a slow missile. So even they're basically if, cruise missiles. Yeah. So it, even if I. Didn't auto resolve it and tried it myself, unless I just told them to run, which they wouldn't be able to escape because they're fighters. And yeah, you know, the fighters are faster than the foxtrots. I would have been—I was just screwed. So that knocked my fighters out for several days, and the alien crafts come in waves. So oh, I just missed the entire wave. And usually, it's towards the beginning of the month, and then the month it seemed.
0: Yeah, it starts out slower in the beginning. By, like, March or April, they're coming, like, every three days. You get a wave of alien craft. Uh, in my game, by the end, I had something like... i Well, I had three Marauders. The Marauders are the end-game most powerful aircraft. Aside from... I forget what it's called, but it's basically a modified SR-71 that carries, like, a fusion bomb. Like, an alien plasma fusion bomb. And... By the time you get to the point where you can have that craft, you've either won or lost the game. It's a weird, weird spot to be in. Um, Well, that's kind
1: of the the XCOM problem is that, you know, you either are winning heavily or you're losing
0: so bad that you may as well give up. There's really no in-between for uh, this uh, type of game. Yeah, Uh, I I felt like I was in that pretty in-between spot because when I got towards the... Around March, I had completed all the research I needed to be able to launch the final mission, but I'm sitting here going, I don't have the equipment for this. So my my strategy was to airstrike everything except what I needed to to advance the story. Um, Because the way to win the game is to keep... Well, I mean, obviously defeat the aliens, but you need money to do that. And the most reliable source of money is the money that you get from the funding blocks around the planet. And that mechanic works. Um, that You make them happy by shooting down alien craft that spawn in their funding block. So it doesn't matter where it goes on the map. It counts for that funding block. And if you shoot down that craft, it makes them happy. And make them happy enough, they give you more money. And so uh, having air superiority of the planet is essential to winning the game. So I spent the first four five months in-game just building bases, loading them with fighters, and shooting down everything that I could. And I only had one ground team for almost the entire game. So I was, I was launching uh, or was running missions to the downed alien craft to, to recover tech and resources and stuff like that, but a lot less often than maybe you should to research things and be able to produce everything. And so I got to the final mission. I'm like, I don't have enough equipment to pull this off. There's no way in hell I'm going to be able to do this. I struggle to, to take down the, the carriers and the battleships when they land. And I know the final mission is bound to have more and more powerful enemies than, than those ships. And yes, it does. It very much does indeed. (laughs) And I'll talk about the ending mission a little bit later, but for a while, I just was like, managing my fighters, and I was in sort of this stalemate, I felt like, with the aliens. Like, I wasn't winning, I wasn't losing, like, I very slowly was getting a handle on things. So, it does have this state, whereas the other XCOM games don't, where that if you are in the right place, it it does feel, like, pretty even. Which was actually really nice. There was a lot of time of me just sitting there staring at that screen going, okay, I've got these fighters at this much fuel, and these fighters at this much fuel, and these fighters at this much health, and this craft is only armed at, you know, it's only got 50% of its ammo left. Do I want to roll the dice? Do I think I can take these out? Because I had learned what every fighter was, what it was strong against and weak against, and what I could pile on in an emergency to take something out. And, I you know, I just had all this stuff worked out in my head. And there's a, a piece of tech you can research called the Quantum Decryptor, which gives you information on what the alien craft are besides just their, their speed, because especially in the end game, pretty much all the craft go the same speed. um, And all of them are large or huge, which doesn't help very much with determining what they are. So the quantum decryptor tells you what the craft are and what their mission is. So obviously you, well, terror missions are the highest priority, both bombing terror missions and the terror missions where they land in cities. Because if uh, if an alien race, or if the aliens uh, win a terror mission on the ground, you automatically lose whatever flood funding block the city is in that they attacked. Because the local government just nukes the city. And they say that you can't protect us, we had to nuke our own city, screw you. And they uh, surrender. Yeah. And, uh, well, it depends on the difficulty, but
1: lose a certain amount of your funding blocks game over
0: yep so terra missions were the highest priority and then after that i was just shooting down everything and uh i put together a second strike team with i mean they were all rookies but i was sending them after the smaller ships because for some reason the corvette spawns for like the entire game and a rookie squad with in-game tech can easily roll a corvette so i was very slowly building up all of these resources from the corvettes which it, took, it takes like four Corvettes to get the same amount of resources from one carrier, but I was guaranteed a loss on a carrier or a battleship, at least one, and I didn't want to gamble away my higher level soldiers for the because of the final mission. Uh, did you use any ground vehicles? There's there's tanks. Well, I, there's I a...
1: unlocked them. I never got to build them because where I was rushing, and just air striking everything in the be- uh, Well, in the early game. I was uh, not getting as much funding as I should because if you just airstrike, you get a a set amount of money. If you actually do the mission and don't blow up everything, you usually get, I would say, 25 to 50% more money plus resources.
0: Yeah, more than that on the bigger ship. That one sort of scales up. Well, I wasn't sure how much, uh, but
1: yeah, it's a hell of a lot more money. So I was starting to hit funding issues. Because I was also expanding quickly and uh, trying to build up a rather impressive air force. Uh, when uh, I hit my sort of uh, deadline of, okay, I have to uh, power down. I, you know, I had to go to the store this morning. That's, uh cost me a couple more hours of play time. Because, yeah, you know, I have to go hop to the store and then uh, get back and then go to sleep to be able to be up for this. You know, Night Owl. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just, uh, I was far behind in my funding from where I should have been, but I had all my bases with three Fox, uh, trots, uh, or with a couple with four, uh, particularly just the radar, uh, hangar bases. And then each of them had at least two Condors, which I never replaced with the upgraded one because those are fucking
0: expensive. The Corsair? The Corsair, Yeah. Yeah, I had I had 3 marauders. Um, I had something like 9 corsairs. I had gotten rid of all of my condors. Uh although the condors, they're really slow. That's the biggest problem. It's really hard to intercept anything with a condor because they're so slow mm-hmm. compared to the late game alien craft, but the condors kick ass. They are extremely powerful once you, you know, as you've researched the tech like they can hold their own up to I'd say the carrier. Even this squadron of three condors can't shoot down a battleship, but three condors can take on a single carrier and win.
1: Well, uh, but, once I lost my Foxtrot uh, in North America and I was down uh, some time, what I would do is anytime I would send out my uh, uh, Charlie unit, my uh, ground squad, I would uh, escort it with two condors because I was yeah. uh, paranoid about uh, them getting destroyed. Yeah, I never had to, can. I never had that happen, but I knew it could
0: yeah uh did you get the upgraded drop ships at all uh I unlocked it, but uh, I didn't have the room to build it <laughs> okay the shrike is I th- in my opinion the best drop ship uh the valkyrie can carry more soldiers, but the Valkyrie can't carry any tanks or or can't carry any ground vehicles uh because it drops the soldiers in drop pods ooh so the Valkyrie lets you pick the, I mean, you get like basically a big starting area that you can put your soldiers down in any configuration that you want and you can see around the starting area. So you can kind of set them up uh, to more easily, like take a building or get some early cover or something like that, but you can't drop vehicles. So the only time that the Valkyrie is better than the Shrike is for the final mission.
1: Yeah. Uh, what do you think of how they handled the aliens where, for one, they don't get a free turn whenever you discover them. I absolutely love that. That's how old XCOM was. Yeah, well, was. Uh, it irritated the fuck out of me uh, for XCOM. Oh, I discovered the aliens. Uh, uh, cutscene, well, we all scuttered to cover.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's good. Um, whenever you run up on aliens, your guy will automatically stop. So that you can, if you want to mm-hmm. assign different orders for the rest of his time units, you can.
1: Well, you don't but, have uh, to
0: uh, stay with that guy, because there was a couple of times
1: that I would discover an Alien, uh, and then, oh, well, time to switch to Sniper and Snipe him. Yep, Sniper's for the win. Yeah, I usually only ran one, because uh, they're not great to take the UFO, and that's what I usually did.
0: Yeah. And that's uh, the they downside get better, They get better in the UFOs, as the UFOs get larger. Yeah, true. Because there's more room for to maneuver around. But usually uh, in the early game, I would just give them a pistol and then keep things sort of towards the back so that they wouldn't die. But they're a little bit more useful if you give them a pistol. I started talking like 10 minutes ago about the other aspects of the game. <laughs> uh, let's see. We've talked about the, the map. We've talked quite a bit about the ground portions where you're ordering your soldiers around and how that works. There's the base building aspect, which, I mean, it's basically just a square plot or a square diagram on your screen and you can put different buildings in yeah only the only time
1: well i was gonna say the only thing i really don't like about the base building is that everything has to be connected so uh, you can't just uh shift like all your uh, radars off in the far corner without it
0: being physically connected to the rest of the base well the game doesn't explain this and i was annoyed by this at first until i had my first alien base or the aliens where they attack my base Uh but your base is underground ah so that's why everything has to be connected okay that makes a lot more sense yeah um because i mean it just looks like any other military compound you'd see and i was like why can't i just stick this over here but yeah they're underground yeah, see, so i never got invaded to... uh as a matter of fact i've got three and a half
1: months in and i never saw the terror mission but i was also uh, after i kind of recovered from my i can't even call it a mistake because it was just getting jumped so so my bad luck in north america i was starting to uh, uh, win the air war Uh, At least in my uh, uh, locked areas, I was able to establish a third base in Indochina, covering uh, most of Indochina, part of uh, East Asia, and pretty much all of um, Australia. I was uh, starting to establish the second radar, which uh, all the bases have three stages of radar coverage. So the first one is the biggest uh, jump from zero to actually a fair amount of radar range. And then uh, the second and third radar dishes add a, a fair bit more to be able to yeah. see further out. But, but beyond that, you can't, uh, you know, it's no additional bonus.
0: Yeah, with uh, four bases can pretty much cover the planet. I mean, you won't cover every square inch of the planet, but you can cover every funding block with four four bases. And that's how many I had was four. Yeah, I'm I wasn't got-
1: sure where I would put my fourth base because I had two big areas I wasn't covering. Probably I would have to do it in South America though, because uh, yeah, uh, uh, Asia, well, Russia, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, mm-hmm. was covered on the uh, western half, but not the eastern half. But still, you know, you would be able to pick off a fair amount of uh, aliens uh, there. But
0: uh, South America was just not covered at all for me. Yeah, I put my second base roughly in Cape Cape Canaveral. Like you can zoom in the map and see lots of cities and areas, and put your bla- base really close to one. But I just kind of like, ah, eh, that's roughly where Cape Canaveral is. So I was able to cover all of the United States and most of the North American continent. Um, well, just and because all uh, but the tip of South America.
1: Yeah, just because I was having trouble with uh, North America, I focused more coverage on us on the far north. Uh, portions of north america because the aliens were just going nuts up maybe they yeah. po- they like polar bears or something <laughs> maybe because uh, the, I, I the first few months they were just
0: all up there it made no sense yeah so uh let's see there's a a fair bit of of lore i would say there's some story in there yeah. um, uh, I would but say it's a, mostly also a fair bit of humor yeah. The uh you get almost all of your story lore bits given to you through these reports you get through your head scientist. Yeah, which is um, he's and the reports that he writes. <laughs> he's yeah, he's really snarky and I like him a lot. There are are a few times when he's much more genuine, mm-hmm. uh particularly towards the end when you're like, "Oh god, this is like the stuff that could destroy the planet outright." He becomes a little more humble. I guess you would say. But for most of the game, he's an asshole in his reports. And he's constantly, like, taking pot shots at the, uh, your, like, head engineer.
1: Mm -hmm. Although they give it...
0: Although they give it right back. Because sometimes he'll say, like, that they're ignoring their maintenance requests. Or there's one time they put a new coffee machine next to the, the Reaper alien. Which is, for people who played XCOM, it's basically the Chrysalid. Uh, but they're these, like, giant insect creatures that uh, kill humans and turn them into zombies, which gestates another Reaper inside. Yeah, those are things are fucking uh, uh, terrifying. Uh, they move damn quick. They're the worst. They are my most hated enemy. Every time I saw one of them, I would stop everything I was doing and figure out how to kill well, it. Well, let's put it before... this way.
1: The first time I encountered one... I got extremely lucky. So this is the inverse of my luck in North America. It brushed my guy with the shotgun. And my guy with the shotgun had his full
0: time units. So he nice. unloaded on it. The best way to kill them outside of hitting them dead on with a rocket, which pretty much instantly jibs any enemy until you get the first what do they call the automata or automons or whatever. The basically the alien Androids. robots. Yeah. Um, The best way to get them is with the stun gas. Because they will charge through that entire cloud and nine times out of ten, running through the cloud, it will knock them out before they get to the other side. Yeah, once
1: I got the stun uh, grenades, uh, those, I was using more than flashbangs and actually uh, frag grenades. Or the upgrades. Because uh, I would just toss them up into either a cluster or, you know, down a hallway whenever I'm attacking the
0: UFO. And then just wait two turns Mm -hmm. and especially early on when you get them. And even throughout the mid-game, uh, aliens are not resistant to them. Later, they get you get aliens that are basically in full body suits that are immune to the stun gas, and you have to move on to other weapons. But the stun grenades are incredibly, or the gas grenades are incredibly useful. You get stun grenades yeah, later you, on that are basically yeah, you like get electric. All, yeah, electric grenades. I got those. Uh, didn't get to play with them, though, but... So and the the reapers though the reason that they remain so deadly throughout the whole game is they're an instant kill to any unit that they hit except for the 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 praetorian armor which is this powered armor suit that you develop towards the end of the game and the praetorian suit can survive one hit but if it takes a second hit it's dead.
1: Yeah, that's why it was uh, so terrifying the first time I saw it uh, and he just
0: went right for my shotgunner. Ugh. Uh, So since we're talking about the Reapers, this is a good time to talk about the final mission because the Reapers are why that mission is so bad. Oh, God. So the final mission, uh, to wrap up the the story of the game, like you research the last tech, you find out why the aliens are there and you figure out how to stop them from coming to Earth. Uh, Essentially, the way the story wraps up is that the aliens are... Basically, the entire invasion is a test of humanity to figure out whether or not the aliens want to turn them into a slave race or if humans are worthy to have their genetic material added to sort of the alien mass of genetic material. What if I don't want to either? Well, here's how you do it. Uh, so you discover a way to create a hyperspace inhibitor that would uh, block any hyperspace travel within a thousand light years of Earth, which is enough to basically ensure that the aliens can never come back uh, because even at their fastest sublight speeds, your scientist works out, it would still take like thousands of years for them to reach you. So, uh, but as soon as you activate the hyperspace inhibitor, the aliens obviously are going to figure it out, stop toying with you, and just invade the planet. And their backup plan is to have the Reapers overwhelm the planet, and then basically they'll just pick through the genetic material from the human zombies to decide if they want any of it or not. So the not final mission plan, is... Not honest. No, I to be honest. No, I don't, honestly, I don't know why they didn't do that to start with, but aliens and their hubris and all that. And their um, fascination with the human anus. um but so you you turn on the hyperspace inhibitor and the alien dreadnought which is their capital ship starts its descent to earth to deploy the reapers onto the planet and you intercept it with your your troops uh, board the ship and take out the uh praetorian like the praetorians are the leader race of the aliens and I forget what his like specific title is but he's President Praetorian, so you take out the peepee. Um, oh, uh, that's hardly new for you. And you get—I forget how many turns it is. It's—it might be ten turns. But after ten turns, the Praetorian has figured out what you've done and has is having Reapers climb up to the level where you're at. So after ten turns, every turn there's six Reapers that spawn, infinitely. Yikes um and there's two uh, like the only way to win the mission is to kill the head praetorian and then there's two ways that the game can end which is with you uh basically being cut down by all of these reapers or you can trigger the emergency uh, escape pods in the praetorian's room and your soldiers can escape but that's incredibly difficult because you only have like I said it it's I think it's 10 turns before they start assaulting you from the rear yeah and that's Well, I know that you like to get reaped from there. Valuable time that you're wasting to go to uh, take out the two generators that trigger the escape pod launch. Uh, Basically, the final mission is one long hallway with two hallways uh, on each side to go to these generators to destroy them. And then at the end is the throne room. And you have to kill the head Praetorian. So, I, uh, I lost a few. I, I basically... This was one of the only two times in the whole game that I restarted a mission because I really wanted to save as many troops as I could. So the first time I played through, I got slaughtered by the Reapers. Because I didn't realize... Like, they tell you, like eventually the Reapers are going to show up. Like, we know that he'll do this because this is his best defense against the humans. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how long it was. So I thought I had more time, and I just got completely wiped out a couple of times by the Reapers. But finally I just set up a rear guard... And just left them to die. They were the sacrifice. Um, I put together several Praetorian suits. Or not Praetorian. Several. What did I say they were earlier? earlier? Uh, did I say? Uh, have I, Whatever. Have I uh, been good with any of the names in this game? Yeah, good point. Whatever the mech suits are called that I talked about five minutes ago. I just set up several of those guys. And I was like, alright. Thanks for your sacrifice. We're getting the fuck out of here. And then snipers. snipers. Or did you least paint mission. them red? Uh, the suit, actually, I'm pretty sure is red by default. Oh, well, there you go. So, yeah. There you go. And that's that's the final mission of the game. You take out the the leader and evacuate or just get overrun, and then you get the final sort of... It's not a cutscene, but you get the final scene, and it reads off like, you know, here's how we did, blah, blah, blah. You should take the night off. You've definitely earned it, Commander. And then you get the stats for your your playthrough. How many of everything happened? I only lost fifty. I think it was fifty-two soldiers. Only, <laughs> only fifty-two, and I only had like twenty-two thousand humans die. Well, uh, uh, I imagine I'm already
1: over that. Where uh, uh, the uh, the aliens are just going crazy in South America,
0: but that's a shithole anyway. Oh, so there's there's a couple other things that the game does to subvert, um your sort of expectations. Uh, You would think that if you copy the aliens plasma weaponry, it's going to be amazing. And you're just going to win everything and have the best weapons. But the aliens, I guess are smart enough to recognize that their own plasma weaponry is really powerful. And the end game enemies, um, everything for the, on battleships and in the final mission, and then most of the leaders on smaller ships, have armor that's resistant to plasma fire, so f- particularly for the final mission, outfitting your squad with a full set of plasma weapons is next to worthless mm-hmm. um That's why laser weaponry gets you so far in the game because the f- final enemies the laser weapons do more damage than the plasma weapons. You get rail guns uh and rail guns are the the bees' knees they're the best at everything, but rail guns are very expensive. Require a lot of resources and take a very long time. And to technically,
1: build. those would be ballistics and not energy. So, uh, all the energy armor on them would uh, be worthless.
0: Correct. So, um, yeah. I, I just thought that that was like a neat little subversion. Like, actually, the ultimate sort of expression of human weaponry is more powerful than the alien weaponry. And I don't know why they don't use railguns. You, you don't really find. You get some backstory whenever you capture the Praetorian, like because you have to capture one of the lower-ranking ones from a battleship or an alien base, which is reached, I believe, level four, because the alien bases grow over time; the longer that they sit on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, capture one of the those guys, and you get some background on the alien, the the alien invasion, and apparently they've conquered like thousands of worlds and are super amazing god level advanced but they have grown um bored like their hu- they their hubris is is too big they're too big for their britches and they underestimate the puny humans so they're bored yeah pretty much
1: well, wait it, is this uh, like the alien invasion in one punch man <laughs> they're just like, going around <laughs>
0: looking for a good fight now it's just yeah it's just going around looking for a good fight um is there anything that we've missed uh, I don't
1: think so. I mean, there's the there's my bugbears with the
0: game. Yeah. yeah, we've talked a lot about what we've liked and just, like, explaining the game. If you can't tell, I really, 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 really like this game. Well, l-
1: let's put it this way. I bought this game three times already. I also really like it. I just, I didn't get enough time to play through
0: it because of being sick. Yeah. Uh, so, what were there any issues you had with the game? Uh, well, Obviously, there are. But well, I had some crashing issues, and
1: I'm pretty sure it's not my cosmetic mods. It's uh, just the game did some uh, did some weird things on my system, and I would get a crashed desktop uh, occasionally.
0: It didn't happen too often, but it got to the point where I was saving often. Yeah, well, the game only auto saves at the start of every ground mission. After every ground mission. And I think it auto saves every time the month turns over. Yeah, that's why I was saving often. Yeah.
1: Uh, but probably my biggest thing was uh, some of the irritation with the uh, the aliens, particularly. They're not dumb. They're actually very intelligent uh, for the most part, but they also are based on every species having their own uh style of fighting. But some of them are just fucking irritating. The Reapers are very irritating, but they're intended to be. I found the light drone, the first one I ran into, was absolutely maddening because it was shooting at me from halfway across the fucking map and it was suppressing half my squad on turn two. And this is the flip side of the aliens being randomly placed around the map is that there's times that you'll... Start the mission and there's an alien standing there looking at your, into your landing craft. And one time it was a light drone. I,
0: I never had that happen, but I know that that's just, you know, luck of the draw. I had some aliens close to my ship, but I never like walked out the door and it's like, oh, there's an alien right there in front of the door to my ship.
1: No, no, it wasn't even walk out the door. It was literally land and there's a fucking light drone.
0: That was a fun mission. I really liked fighting the drones, um, just because the... do the light drones have... The, those are essentially the flying Roombas. The discs. Okay, there's a bigger version of the disc. Yeah, I know there's a bigger, yeah, the there, there's has... a bigger one. Uh, well, the the bigger one, I don't know if it has worse accuracy or what, but I actually saw the big drone kill several of it, his own troopers. Well, I know the light drone, uh, it, it definitely isn't accurate, but it also typically
1: fires from halfway across the map. All the different aliens, they have their own uh, uh, cone of vision and their own range that they could uh, see. And the drones are absolutely huge, but they tend to stay on the extremes of their range and uh, try to pick off from a distance or at least suppress. And that's what really irritated me about uh, finding them for the first time was I was getting suppressed and the one guy I had that was able to try to flank to get visions for my sniper kept getting a fucking psionic
0: attack and panicking. Yeah, the psionics are devastating in this game. Yeah, Um, Uh, it's
1: not damage, it's attacking morale, and if your morale dips too low, they either go berserk and start shooting, they'll uh, throw down their arms and just run randomly, usually directly at the enemy to get rode down, Or just sit there and uh, panic for a turn. And it was just so irritating because I was getting suppressed. And my one guy that I was trying to get vision with. when this was also the guy that had the ballistic shield. So, you know, if the drone turned to shoot at him, he would have been a lot better off. uh, Was just uh, getting hit over
0: and over and over again. It was just fucking irritating. Later on, as well, for psionics, the Praetorians can mind control your troops. Um And the Praetorians also, every turn, have a passive ability that the closer you get to them, like in physical space in the game, uh, the more sort of morale bleed effect they have on all of your troops. So closing out on a Praetorian is incredibly dangerous. Uh, the mind control doesn't work when your soldiers have high morale, but obviously the closer you get to the praetorian it the easier it is for them to mind control because of the constant morale drops so it becomes even more important to just chain kill because that boosts up morale yep chain kill and then have higher level soldiers for the morale boost the the most important stat in the whole game is bravery because the your morale is the the or the bravery stat is the most difficult one to raise Um, All of your other stats basically are trained. In order to get more time units, just have your soldiers perform more actions. The more actions they perform over time, it sort of fills up a little meter in in the background. And every time it fills up, they get, I think it's five additional action points up to a maximum of 100. Or, sorry, time units up to a maximum of 100. Well, also ranking up
1: uh, is a pretty big boost as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, Accuracy, just have your soldiers shoot at stuff and their accuracy goes up uh the their weight or their sorry their strength which determines how much gear they can carry before they start uh having penalties for basically being overweight um just having them carry heavy gear and that goes up but bravery the only way to to raise bravery is to receive a medal um that gives small bravery boosts they can get a bravery boost when they level up or or rank up and if they survive a battle where they were mind controlled their bravery goes up. And I think those are the only ways to raise the bravery stat. Yeah, and I was just getting terrible luck with the people that I had to get low bravery. So that made all the psionic attacks on that mission even worse. Yeah, and there's no way to cycle soldiers through, aside from hiring new soldiers and then firing them. So you're spending money to try and find troops with high bravery pretty much 50. Like, if you can get 50 or above with your bravery, that's fine. And then just sort by whatever stat isn't one that you need a quick... Um, so, well, actually, before I change the subject, do you have any other problems with the game?
1: Uh, sometimes it's a well, a bit tough to tell a line of sight. Uh, particularly trying to set up a, a kill area. There was a couple times that it should make sense to be able to duck around yeah, a uh, you know, pop around the corner to shoot but it just the game wouldn't allow it. I found that irritating and also just line of sight in general you know, trying to determine okay, can that uh, alien fire from that position? Uh, it's something that you eventually learn but it should be a bit clearer. Yeah. And maybe that's just a, uh, uh, a side effect of the asymmetric view and not be able to rotate at all, which is,
0: you know, old XCOM. Uh, but because, Yeah, not being able to rotate the camera. Yeah. You mean?
1: Yeah, but rotate the camera, because it, it is a bit irritating to
0: try to figure out uh, some of the angles in that game. Yeah. Sometimes you have things that look like they would make sense, but you get, like, the little red blocking... Like something's blocking your line of sight. And sometimes it looks like you shouldn't be able to actually shoot somewhere, but you can. Grant, you so. don't
1: get as crazy uh, camera things like uh, uh, for XS6 com where you're shooting through walls. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, that also annoyed me, but I got kind of learned the system and got used to it over time. Yeah, I was slowly getting uh,
1: used to it, but it was uh, it's still uh, irritant. And also just the fact that the game really leaves a lot of systems to a mystery.
0: Yeah. The biggest issue that I had, aside from the one bug that I kept encountering, which I'll talk about after, but the the biggest issue I had with the game was trying to control soldiers from a vertical standpoint. Um, In the beginning of the game, you can uh, climb certain buildings, well, climb up staircases and things to get to higher vantage points which is not too bad but when you get the jet packs where that you add a, quite a bit of verticality to the game and when you get into the larger alien ships which have multiple stories to them the amount of misclicks that i had was way too many um, because sometimes you can see particularly if you've got it set to where you can see through the roof of everything no matter what Sometimes you'll have your soldier, or the, the cursor, at the wrong level, but you can still see the soldier and the line and everything, and you'll click where you think you want to be, or go to click on your a soldier, maybe, to switch to a different one, and then your trooper will move, and you go, and, and well, I would go, ah, oh, shit, I was in the wrong, I was at the wrong height, again. So, they... There needs to be some better way to do that. Yeah, I would with try the, the with the second one. Yeah, the sequel
1: says that they're working on uh, making that a little bit make it a little bit more sense.
0: Yeah, and sometimes even when I would double check, I'm like, okay, is this right? I think this is right. Click, nope, it was wrong. Shit. Yeah, pathing, well, that's a wasted turn.
1: Yeah, Pat thinks sometimes is a little odd. Uh, there was one time I was trying to uh, set up for whenever the uh, stun uh, cloud uh, went away to be able to storm the ship. Uh, And I had thrown another stun grenade at, uh, I I think it was a lizard or something, you know, uh, just trying to flank me. And it's like, okay, well, you're mine now. Uh, But I kept getting my soldiers trying to run through the stun cloud instead of going around it.
0: Yeah, that happened to me
1: a fair few times. I never had a soldier go through it because I was able to catch it in time, but
0: uh, it, it made no sense that they would run straight through it. Yeah, whenever they run into the sun cloud, they stop Um, after they take that first little bit of stun, and then it's you can just like, turn around and run them out. It's like, I have made a very big mistake. <laughs> and then he just slaps to the I've, ground. I immediately regret this decision. Yeah. Um. So the bug that I kept running into that annoyed the heck out of me was the sound bug. Oh, uh, um, the,
1: uh, hearing just constant running?
0: Yeah, yeah constant I, running. Okay, I wasn't sure if that was just me or not, because I got that as well. No, that's an incredibly common bug that was never fixed. Um, The way that you can trigger it is that if you end your turn by ordering a soldier to run their maximum distance and then ending your turn before they actually complete it, then they will continue to make the running sound for the rest of the battle, which is easy for you to avoid happening. But also the AI will Uh, do that sometimes, too. I always got it when the AI was doing something, and it was always a hidden movement, so I didn't see what they were doing. But Yeah, it happens most often during hidden movements, where the, the game is in the background calculating the turn, and if it calculates the turn too fast, it'll go ahead and end, because you can't see what's happening, but it triggers the bug, because they're physically moving still in the on the map. Yeah, that's why I mean, I'm it, muted. <laughs> you could just save and reload, and it would go away. But, yeah, I, but mean, I just got irritates. to where I would do that. Yeah. The other worst thing in the game is base missions. <laughs> Enemy-based assault missions. Because they, by default, count as night missions because the aliens' yeah, which ideal de- environment yeah, which, is different than humans'. Yeah,
1: which we never really mentioned the difference between day and night missions. Day and night missions Yeah, never are, do a night mission.
0: Uh, a, ...a huge
1: disadvantage to the Xenonauts. Uh Typically, the aliens already have a fairly good advantage on sight, because they're But they're they're pretty much all the product of genetic engineering, aren't they?
0: Yes. Also, the aliens don't share sight ranges like humans do. So the aliens, by default, have a larger sight going, but the AI in the background doesn't share sight information between soldiers.
1: Yeah, which uh, it's one of those things that people uh, at first swore that the AI was cheating because they were able to shoot from uh, 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 outside of vision. But then people started to realize... Oh the AI just has uh, larger sight cones that's really neat. But yeah. uh in night missions
0: you have a
1: uh, was it 50% uh your uh, Yeah,
0: you have a 50% reduction in vision and- outside of light. So street lights and things like that will give you increased vision range and then you have an infinite number of flares you can chuck around everywhere. Yeah, and the aliens don't have that uh penalty so you have to be a lot more defensive. Right. And the alien base counts as a constant night mission. Oh. Uh, the aliens... I, I, if I remember correctly, the lore reason for this is that the aliens can see in the ultraviolet spectrum, light spectrum. So they have night vision, basically. And humans don't. So they require a lower level of light. When you're doing the base assault missions, if you capture the control room, you uh, flip the, the settings, basically, and that takes the night vision penalty away. But otherwise... Um, yeah. Alien base assaults count as night missions. Question. Answer. Actually, that's more of a statement.
1: <laughs> if the aliens see in the ultraviolet spectrum, why did they install lights in their base? I don't know. Good question. Good I, I, question. I mean, are they uh, are they hiring outside contractors, and they have to have lights to be able to see? <laughs> so that the humans conveniently can at least see something. One thing I wish the game had uh, is uh, some sort of binoculars or telescope to be able to uh, have a further uh, view distance, particularly for snipers, because sni- well, snipers are able to
0: shoot far beyond their vision cone. Well, you get a vision bonus whenever you're flying, uh, whenever you know, whenever you're at a higher elevation, I should say, and also you get a vision boost in one of the armor sets. It has. Um, like a 360-degree suite of cameras on it that feed to a heads-up display in the armor. Like, on the little... That's what the the readout says for it when your scientists develop it. Mm-hmm. And it so it has... The armor suit has a 360-degree view range, which is incredibly helpful, and also a longer sight range than standard troopers. It's still not that much longer, but it is maybe, like, 10% greater. But... So... One other little thing that I like about this, and that I discovered in the late game, which is really cool. Um, So there are civilians... Well, not necessarily. They're not always civilians. There are AI humans on many of the maps that you play on, and they can be civilians, uh, although the civilians can have guns. The farmers have shotguns. (laughs) Then you can find local police, and then on some missions, you can find military, local military. Uh, All terror missions have local military, and then there's a chance... For certain biomes to spawn um, at a military base. And that chance increases based on what the enemy craft's mission was. A lot of times enemies are uh, will go to bomb a human base of some kind. And if you shoot down those planes, it's like a 50% chance that they'll crash land near like, an army base or an air force base. And the AI humans can be incredibly helpful. They're not going to win the mission for you. But I respectfully disagree. I actually won a mission because the
1: uh, uh, the humans killed the last, uh, or the uh, AI humans uh, killed the last alien.
0: Okay, well, by that I mean like they're not going to do the bulk of the work for you. Oh, all right. They'll. There's a good chance, particularly if you have local police, and then later on local army. Um, there's a good chance that they'll kill a couple of aliens for you. Uh, the local army units actually, as you research tech. They also get tech upgrades. Uh, I've seen the local army units have uh, have laser weapons, and also one mission they had plasma weapons. <laughs> so I was like, alright guys, thanks, you're doing a good job. A I wonder good, if you good could job. recover their uh, weapons if they get killed. Uh, no. You can pick them up off of their body and use them during the mission, but just like the alien weapons, when you pick them up, they mysteriously vanish. Actually, don't they, uh, get sold? Uh, do they? I don't think so. Uh, I know you get a a money bonus for the alien weapons, I assume they just got sold. Maybe they do. I didn't think the weapons got sold, I thought they were, I thought the the alien power packs were sold or something like that. Oh, maybe that's just tearing down the weapons for them, you know? Yeah, maybe, maybe, but yeah, the the soldiers or the the local military forces get tech upgrades, which I thought was nice, um, a nice touch. Well,
1: but yeah, the, the well, your base defenses get a tech upgrade.
0: Yes, sweet baby Jesus, thank thank the Lord for those base defenses, because I I had several base invasions. The the more craft that you shoot down, the more of a threat ticker in the background that you generate which raises the likelihood of aliens spawning to attack your base. And the base attacks and the terror attacks usually tend to spawn later in the wave. And I mean, you can redirect your air forces once they're in, in flight, but I put up a pretty good system for defending my base. No troops, just tanks. (laughs) I put two vehicle bays in every single base that I had. And I was producing, um, initially just the scout car because that's the first vehicle you get, but then you get a tank, which is like a modified human tank to accept alien technology. And then you get a hover tank Ooh. as like the final vehicle and, um, equipping w- once you get the technology, like equip it, all of your vehicles with at least the laser cannons. Cause those will jib any alien with one hit pretty much. Um, but if you equip them with the plasma cannon or the railgun they're pretty much in, or they are instant death to anything that they come in contact with and they're practically i mean they're not invincible they're but they're incredibly durable and the aliens that invade your base take damage based on your base defenses but i didn't have enough base defenses to shoot down battleships and carriers so uh, the l- level would spawn with like 50% Of the enemies, and i just roll the tank through into like a hangar, (laughs) whichever (laughs) hangar it was that they were coming through, and just fuck them up. Now I want to replay and uh, uh,
1: work on uh, getting vehicles, because I never was able to do the vehicles.
0: The vehicles are incredibly useful in certain situations. If your objective is to capture an alien spacecraft with as little damage as possible, vehicles are not for you. But if you're just trying to complete the mission so you can recover at least some materials, just roll on in with a tank and blow pretty much everything up. You'll still recover stuff and you'll end the mission in half the time.
1: Well, typically, uh, whenever I would uh, uh, try to evade the UFO, actually I got pretty good towards the end and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't losing anyone. I wasn't even taking uh, damage from anyone. Uh, but I would uh, you know, use Ample C- C4. Uh, yeah. Especially, uh, I I don't know what uh, the ships were because I, I didn't unlock the uh, tech to be able to uh, see what they were called, uh, but I guess the second tier uh, ship where uh, it would start with the hallway to the hub, uh, to a, like a central room and it branches off from there to a large uh, bridge in the back, you know what I'm talking about? Did it have two levels or did it have just what? one level? I think that's the cruiser. Okay, well, uh, the cruiser, I was having trouble uh, uh, breaching that at first. Well, until I got the stun grenades, uh, I would just uh, chuck some C4 down the hallway. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I didn't use C4 very much. I I love C4, but then again, explosives.
0: Yeah, I tended to take a rocket guy on every mission. The community at large seemed to be split on whether or not you should take someone with a rocket launcher versus someone with C4. Uh, Well, the
1: problem with the rocket launcher is that all the heavy weapons, they incur an accuracy penalty if your guy has under 70 strength. And that requires a fair amount of level ups or someone that is spawned with a lot of strength to begin with. Yeah, And uh, I just didn't want to risk the accuracy penalty. Yeah. Plus, usually I would set for one or two turns for the C4 and that would give me time to back off. And what was what would be hilarious? Granted, it costs me money. As aliens pop up, uh, up, open up the doors. Like, what's that? Boom! <laughs> and yeah, no, no more aliens or doors or uh, alien tech. No, no, no. C four makes you a door. I just wish. Uh, well, I realize it's uh, a feature in uh, Xenonauts too. I wish that I could uh, just blow through the alien hall. Yeah, because you you uh, it, typically the uh, alien crafts until you start to develop the strategies, or uh, you know you just get uh, enough tech to be able to survive a hit or two. Uh, it's very tough to breach some of the higher uh, higher tier ships because they are very
0: heavily defended and they usually have a fair number of aliens inside. Yes, indeed, that's the two places where I would always lose troops, even uh, especially on like the battleship or the carrier would be breaching, and um, as I worked my way through the ship, because they would be... All battleships are captained by Praetorians, and then some uh, some carriers can be... And even the the standard like carrier captain or whatever has got psionic powers. So I would lose troops breaching, and then also the more time you spend in the ship, obviously the more time you spend close to the Praetorian, I would have soldiers kill my own men. More often than that, they would be killed by aliens, just from the psionic uh, attacks.
1: Uh, Is there anything else? Because we pretty much covered this game a lot uh, more thorough than I thought we would.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm thinking, and I don't think so, without- regardless of what you think, we have not gotten into the nitty-gritty of this game. So without getting into the nitty-gritty of the game, I'm not really sure how much more there is to talk about. I think we've covered everything- um, so, Rage, overall, do you like Xenonauts, like yeah, you already said? Yeah, right? uh,
1: I really like this game. I wish I had spent more time with it to be able to talk about it more in Game Club, but, uh, outside of, uh, you know, a, a few bug bears, which is more just haven't played enough to really get the strategy down, I uh, really liked it overall. Uh, uh, Grant, they are a little bit of a dick to you in certain things, uh, like the psionics. Yeah. Or
0: it's a dead end. Literally? Yeah. But I kind of like that, though. Yeah. I kind of like that.
1: Yeah, it uh, plays into the whole subversion, and the game makes sense. And that's something that, for Axis XCOM, honestly doesn't for a lot of (laughs) things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the game makes really logical sense. I think it's, as, you know, alien invasion, very unlikely to happen in real life. But if it did, if it did, I feel like this would be a good way... Or, you know, a way that it might play out. And, obviously, you're not going to know what, being able to research the alien tech, what does what, until you go through it. And you're not going to understand how to effectively fight the aliens until you've had a shitload of people die and you figure it out. One last thing that I will say is that this game... I have not read it, but this game includes... It's too long to be a short story, but I think it's too short to be a novel. It's like a hundred pages... Uh Uh, Sure. It's like a hundred pages... Um, that details first contact with the aliens. Yeah, the which Iceland incident. Yeah, the, the Iceland incident, which happened, I think, in the f- late fifties, early sixties. I think they
1: said the sixties because it's uh, one the it's the first
0: uh entry that you have. Yeah, um, and it's it's a short story that, or it's a story that covers that, and I I do intend to read it, but. That's where I was getting at like an hour ago when I was like, the game does have some story to it, but it's mostly lore.
1: Yeah, which isn't bad so, because, you know, uh, there's a difference between having an a accessible story uh, and lore and kind of shoehorning it in. And for yeah. a game like this, uh, shoehorning in uh, story missions uh, really would get in the way of the procedural nature of this game.
0: Yeah, basically all of the story missions come down to object, like, Real-world objectives. Capture this leader. Um, research this particular research tech. this, Yeah, research this tech. And that's it. Aside from the lore bits, this is one of those games where you essentially make your own story. Playing the game, the, your playthrough is your story. And it does that really well. I, uh, I really enjoyed this game. I love it a lot. Uh, I'm taking a break, but I want to go back and try a, a playthrough. One with... Maybe not an entire playthrough, but at least enough of a playthrough to figure out what the community edition completely fixes. And I, w- I actually want to try this on harder difficulty, because I-, I played through on whatever the normal difficulty yeah. is. Uh,
1: yeah, same here. Uh, the very hard difficulty, uh, they pull a kind of a dick move on you.
0: Do, do you know what they do? Uh, are you talking about the one that's hard mode, or the- Iron Man? Well, well, not Iron Man mode.
1: Uh, The hardest difficulty? Removes damage indicators.
0: Oh, shit. I don't... I wouldn't like that, but I could see how that... Why they would do that, because you don't get handy-dandy damage output numbers in real life.
1: Yeah, it's essentially uh, Ranger mode. (laughs) Uh, From uh, uh, the uh, Metro series. uh, Where
0: you're not given any extra info. That would be so hard, because one of the, I mean, one of the most important things to strategy, I strategizing is like, how many men do I need to devote to killing this one alien? Yeah, now you have and to I mean, kind of guess how much damage you did to it. You basically just go overkill all the time. Snipers would continue to save the day,
1: Fuck this one alien in particular.
0: <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But, yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: uh, and that's on top of improved AI, which this is one of those games that does that. Yeah. Uh, and I felt uh, just, uh, uh it's <laughs> extremely dick move, but fitting.
0: Yeah. I-, I felt like the AI was about the right level of difficulty, and the difficulty should come from higher enemy health and perhaps reduced... Starting stats for your troops or something like that, but i don't I don't know,
1: yeah, I didn't really I run into, into a lot either.
0: of uh what i would feel
1: like dumb a i there was uh sometimes that the a i would uh, do odd things, you know open up a door and then uh, it's like, oh shit, and run away, but then again, you could kind of uh, give that to okay, usually it's the reptiles that are doing this they're they have the shortest sight of all the uh aliens, maybe they're coming uh you know coming out seeing oh, there's an entire Zeonaut squad out here. Oh, shit. Time to run. <laughs> run away. Yeah. And because the aliens aren't sharing their vision, it makes a lot more sense that you know, a couple of them are doing that.
0: Yeah. The only thing that I didn't understand about weird AI behavior was that sometimes you have, you can either see a whole room via security cameras or something, or you've got a sniper peeking in and they can't see you, Sometimes the aliens will just sort of run around in circles, essentially wasting time units. I I don't know why they do that. Although I don't know well, if they-
1: well, uh, didn't the lore say that all of them have pretty much limited intelligence and they're
0: pretty much being controlled by their commanders? Yeah, pretty much. There's even that one entry where that the your scientists are able to order the alien to kill itself. Yeah, they uh, promptly say- well, I don't get too excited because it took a stationary target and an entire lab of equipment to do this. <laughs> yeah. There is a noticeable effect, though, particularly on the lower orders of aliens. Whenever you kill the commander, the aliens perform worse. Noticeably worse. Except for, what are the lizard guys called? Uh, those guys. No idea. The, the, yeah, the, they're the, like, the second enemy you face. They have a lower base intelligence, anyways, according to the thing. But I don't think they're direct as directly psionically controlled.
1: Yeah, they're uh,
0: they're not very
1: intelligent. They have very short sight ranges. Uh, they regenerate, but they have terrible uh, shooting skills because their uh, their weapons aren't really adapted to them. Yeah, still a pain the ass in uh, numbers, and usually you end up fighting them in
0: numbers. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, not the part where the numbers are on your side. Yeah,
1: but yeah, alien invasion.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, I think we've talked enough about this one. Yeah, we've talked about this for what an hour and twenty fifteen-ish minutes. An hour. So yeah, Xenonauts, good game. Yeah, recommend, highly recommend if you like strategy games. Uh, I would actually uh, combat I almost games. call
1: this uh, 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 almost a horror
0: game from the just the tension, especially with those fucking. Yeah. I don't know if I'd go that far, well, but it uh, definitely is tense. Horror. Yeah, it definitely was extremely tense. There were were times I would actually genuinely feel anxiety playing this game. Then those were the times I had to go, okay, I need to take a five-minute break. <laughs> it's just a game. Even if my virtual people die, it's not... They're expendable. At least with that attitude. Uh, Alright, well, our next Game Club game for the month of March was one that... I sort of picked out, wanting to continue to expand uh, my horizons to try new things. Yeah, who the hell Uh, are you? (laughs) I did some of it this week. We're not going to talk about games that we played this week, because we're definitely not going to have time, but I did it this week, too. Uh, Anyways, our next Game Club game is going to be Torchlight 2. An isometric ARPG, correct? Yep. Two things that I haven't traditionally liked, but you have... Uh, you and I believe Kyle have both recommended this game to me, and you haven't steered me wrong with your recommendations so far, so... Well, the first time for everything. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, this is the game this that is... got me
1: uh, uh, actually interested in the genre. So it's going to be interesting yeah. to see if it does it for you as well.
0: Yeah, and this one is not turn-based, it's real-time, so we'll see. The, my biggest sort of, I don't know, crutch or whatever you want to call it for dealing with these isometric games is the fact that all the ones I've played so far have been turn based.
1: Well, maybe. And I uh, can
0: handle that. Well, maybe some
1: weekend. Oh, uh, well, I would say, uh, instead of recording to pretty much do that every weekend, uh, is uh, <laughs> uh, take a, a. And go through the opening of the game together. Because this is that multiplayer
0: co op. We could do that Friday. I will have lots of time Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. Because my sister-in-law is going to be here. So Katie took the weekend off of work. Uh, and they're going to do stuff together. Ah. So, uh, so Saturday so other words, night... you're going to uh, turtle up and hide <laughs> Torchlight. Yeah. Saturday night, we're playing Civ. And I've talked a little bit... Well, we're supposed to be playing Civ. I've talked a little bit with Kyle about maybe playing Dark Souls Friday night. But I'm not sure if I want to do that. Well, I guess I'll be seeing you Friday then. We'll Yeah. We'll do some Torchlight.
1: Yeah, I'll let you get your character kicked off together, because uh, uh, you can do the same character in multiplayer and solo. That's good. Great, uh, you know, if you get out of sync, then it's only the person uh, ahead in the story, I think, that does uh, progression. Okay. actually
0: not 100% sure on that one. That's fine. We'll figure it out together. But yeah, we'll... Uh, A little Torchlight I'll let- too. I'll let you know exactly what time as Friday draws nearer. But yeah, Friday night, we'll do that. Alrighty. Well, I think now's a good time for a break. And returning from our break and our game clubs, we're going to talk about video games like it's 1993. Yeah, uh, back when uh, America was great again, right? Uh. (laughs) Yeah. So this is i'm sorry this is sort of one of our headers or where that we have a lot of things that sort of fit under one thing yeah, this all... which is video games under fire again after school shooting and that would be at the time of recording the most recent school shooting in florida yeah. unless one happened five minutes ago when i haven't was it looking yeah, at the it's news?
1: incredibly sad that we have to preface that yeah but this all started with well uh should we go in the order that uh, uh, all the news uh, came out with the uh, tax bill, or uh, should we just go
0: for the dumbass? Let's just take it in order of how it happened. So the tax bill would be first, correct? Yeah, it was
1: the first thing that really broke was that Rhode Island uh, state representative was suggesting uh, a tax bill on violent video games to help fund mental health counseling in schools. On the one hand, I mean it's it's not a terrible idea to fund mental health counseling, but at the same time,
0: it makes no sense why they're funding it with this. Yeah, so I would be okay if they said, "I don't." Something along the lines of, "Look, we need to have." More better mental health care in schools. Like, that's one of the angles. And yes, I think it's true that more mental health care would help reduce the incidence of some of these shootings and also would help reduce violence in schools in general. And I I would be okay with them saying, look, we need to levy a new tax. What's something that generally doesn't have many taxes on it? Video games. And if they, they just said, look, video games don't have a lot of taxes placed upon them outside of just your standard state and federal taxes. It's a massive industry. This would be a good thing to levy a tax on to fund uh, additional pay for schools for mental health counseling in schools. Great. But... you know Maybe we could debate some of the nuances of the tax and all all of that jazz. But when they say, we're going to tax violent video games... Because violent video games... Implying that violent video games are a cause of this. Implying? He fucking
1: says it outright. And I quote. There is evidence that children exposed to violent video games at a young age tend to act more aggressively than those
0: who are not. Says this dumb motherfucker. Actually... Technically, that's true. Young children who are exposed to violent stimuli, which includes video games television or watching other people perform violent acts makes them more likely to also commit violence if they don't have some sort of intervention, be it from parents or teachers or other trustworthy authority figures to explain to them, you know, these aren't things that we do to other people because children under the age of six or seven, you know, just based on brain development and where they actually are uh, in, in their development, uh those kids as their brains are forming at that age tend to be more susceptible to literally any kind of stimuli so this is one of those examples of like cherry picking or like wording that implies or that is getting at violent video games cause violence because of children but when taken out of context when you don't have either knowledge of it or willingness to research it's just not true in the way that they've stated it like technically it's correct but they're taking everything out of context to make video games the scapegoat especially
1: when this is a 10% tax on games that are rated M or higher so this is games that aren't even targeted to the children that would be susceptible to the violence
0: in them right so it makes absolutely no sense right it's wrong on all levels to people that have a cursory knowledge of several facets of this, actually. But, you know, to your older person, because in general, older people don't play video games. That—that uh, That is people in the sort of 50s and up, 50s, 60s and up demographic. Those people don't play video games. And they think, oh, yeah, my grandkid plays those violent video games. I've seen them. They're terrible.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to
0: leave President Dumbass until later. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, like I said, at the very fringe of this, if they just said, look, video games would be a good place to raise this tax from, fine. We can debate how much the tax is, and is it fair to just tax video games versus other things? Whatever, that's fine. But specifically targeting violent video games based off of some... Bullshit, either specifically cherry-picked or ignorantly chosen language, and it's difficult to tell, you know, is it malicious or is it ignorant, um, just makes this bullshit all the way around. And only thing
1: this would do, assuming that this does pass nationwide, this is uh, only in Rhode Island for the time being, but typically how these bills go is that one state will be kind of the uh, leader of this and then it'll be a domino effect to eventually get a good portion of the nation, if not nationwide, is that M and Har, well, that's only going to push uh, the developers to have the ESRB be teen rated instead of M, because the line is fucking blurry between teen and M already. Yeah. So, it, it would be completely pointless. I, the uh, the developers, the publishers wouldn't want their games M-rated, and it'd be not quite as a non-starter as getting an adults-only rating, where it pretty much you, makes your game completely unsellable on well, doesn't make make it pretty much it is unsellable on all consoles because Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony does not allow adults-only games on their consoles. That rating is a black mark. It's kind of hilarious that we have a rating that is literally a black mark on all the consoles, on a good chunk of the brick-and-mortar stores, and on Steam. You don't really get adults only on Steam either, so if you get adults only, you are fucked. Uh, Until you censor that, then you're just mature. (laughs) Yeah. So this will just make mature a lesser version of that black mark. It'd be a nice gray mark. And then the uh, then the publishers would uh, be, okay, we'll censor this, 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 and this, and we'll uh, try to get tame. It, it, you know, it's just going to make uh, games, uh, I shouldn't say less extreme, but it'd be more prone to their own self-censorship. Which maybe is the whole goal of this. Because we have the dumbass in chief Uh, kind of rambling incoherently. And this would be a good place to drop that clip in. Well, you mentioned the internet. We have to look at the internet because a lot of bad things are happening to young kids and young minds and their minds are being formed. And uh, we have to do something about uh, maybe what they're seeing and how they're seeing it. And also video games. I'm hearing more and more people say the level of violence on video games is really shaping young people's thoughts. And then you go the further step, and that's the movies. You see these movies, they're so violent, and yet a kid is able to see the movie if sex isn't involved, but killing is involved. And maybe they have to put a rating system for that. And, you you know, you get into a whole very complicated, very big deal. You are having movies come out that are so violent, with the killing and everything else, that maybe that's another thing
0: we're going to have to discuss. And a lot of people are saying it. Thank you very much, Pam.
1: It it hurt to listen to that, didn't it?
0: Yes, it did. And then at the end, or is it at the end or is it towards the end? Whatever. He's like, you know, there should really be a a rating system for that, all that stuff. You know, that would be a good idea, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be a good idea if there was some sort of board. uh, Uh, Maybe- Like uh, an uh, electronic, maybe software ratings board that could do that? Never take off. (laughs) What's the- What's the movie's rating one? Is it the MPAA? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because he apparently doesn't understand that movies are rated as well. Well, uh, in that entire rambling uh, statement, he did
1: bring up the point that uh, sex and violence are uh, treated completely different in ratings. And he is correct on that. Granted, if you ramble long enough, you do start to get a point, so... Uh, I don't yes. think he really realized what he was talking about at that point. To be fair, that's kind of most of the time with him. Uh, Indeed. Uh, it's also- uh, it's essentially a call for censorship on both movies and video games. And there's also the Kentucky <laughs> governor that's doing the exact same fucking thing. Uh, calling for a, uh, essentially blanket censorship of media. And him talking about how it's corrupting the moral moral fabric of America, says the governor that had a speaking engagement at a pro cockfighting rally. And
0: no, I'm not making that up. Did you say cockfighting or cuck fighting? Cock. Okay, all right. Just make it. Ch- I figured it was cockfighting, but it kind of sounded like you might have said cuckfighting. I just had to just had to clarify.
1: Do I even wonder to what you thought uh, uh, the other one would be?
0: I mean, I I know what cucks are. Obviously, I'm the fetish king around here. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I heard you properly. But, but yeah,
1: cockfighting. Uh, and he uh, went on, uh, let's see, uh, Bevan, this is the governor of Kentucky, called video games where people kill others garbage and said it's the same as pornography. Free- which is not true not at all yeah because the adults rate uh, only rating us a complete black mark well to be fair there are the uh, titty games but at the point he said freedom of speech has been abused by allowing uh things that are filthy and disgusting
0: to have and have no redeeming value Ugh. censorship too is a very difficult word to parse in these instances it, but it's like, tough to really call it anything but censorship in
1: this. At least yes, in my indeed. opinion. Uh, th-
0: are there, their intent is for government censorship, mm-hmm. correct? Pretty much. Okay. Because, I mean, there is self-censorship. There's some censorship that is done to, in order to have these games fit in a certain rating class and movies as well.
1: They essentially
0: want... Flat out government uh, uh, censorship.
1: They essentially want uh, the German uh, equivalent of video game industry where uh, it's... If the uh, game doesn't conform exactly to their specifications, it is not allowed in this country. That's what it it really comes off to me is. They want a complete and utter black mark for uh, uh, violent video games because they see violent video games as moral corrupting. Morally corrupting the youth. Because, well, first of all, the impressionable youth should not fucking be playing these in the first place. There's a reason why the ratings board was created. It was to get away from being censored in the 90s. So, it's uh, just hilarious that we're back at this point. I thought we settled Um, this,
0: uh, you know, years ago. Over 20 years ago? (laughs) And for the movie industry, the MPAA, that's been around since I want to say ballpark 50s.
1: I think late 40s or early 50s, yeah. Yeah. So, and it took a long time for them to get more extreme than the
0: golden age of yeah. I'm I'm not a fan of of the government essentially controlling the rating system. Particularly the American government being how conservatively slanted it is, even when we have a quote unquote liberal and progressive government at best they're considered moderate by the rest of the world's standards I don't want them in charge of raiding my media and and effectively censoring it Yeah, there's
1: a, I, I've seen a few people uh, uh, kind of pointing and laughing at uh, uh, the people that called for regulation on loot boxes to uh, that this is what we get but this is uh, the complete flip side where there's no science backing this up
0: Yeah, well, yeah. And also, legislation to try and control predatory practices, while potentially it could lead to a censorship board, is not quite the same thing. There's ways that you can deal with this, I think, without basically putting the whole system onto the the government to classify and rate. And it's, it's a very fine line that we walk right now. I I wonder how much of this is is serious versus just like smoke and mirrors bullshit. I honestly think a lot of this is smoke and mirrors bullshit, They're trying to
1: deflect attention away from their precious guns because th- this entire situation uh, stems from a school shooting, and there's been a lot of outcry against assault grade weaponry and bans against it. And people have absolutely flipped their fucking lids.
0: Yeah. I I also think a lot of it is a smokescreen to try and draw attention away from the fact that the teenagers of America are more responsible than the adults that are running the government of America. And they are losing hardcore at rallies and uh, town halls and other events where that they go to speak. There's quite a few YouTube videos of various uh, U.S. politicians being booed on stage repeatedly and being called out and caught up in their lies and bullshit. It's fascinating to see how these teenagers and their parents are just like, this is what it takes, teenagers to get fed up being killed at their own schools. And this is dangerously close to becoming a discussion about guns and gun control on a video game podcast. But I mean, that's the reality of how all of this stuff connects. And it's tragic, and it's stupid, and it pisses me off every time I think about it. That this entire subject has to be politicized to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So. Maybe some of them are serious, or maybe some of them are seeing this as an opportunity to try and do something that they want to do regarding all of this crap, but I do think a lot of this is smoke and mirrors to try and draw attention away from the gun debate right now in the States. And that probably nothing will come from it, aside from angry people on podcasts and YouTube saying how bullshit all this is,
1: uh, and that they're uh, dumb motherfuckers.
0: Yeah, don't, don't forget
1: that too. That too. That too. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Just could, breathe. I, I could hear the anger. <laughs>
0: That's okay. Uh, this Just is breathe. this
1: is why I linked it to you uh, several days ago.
0: Yeah, because I, I know I if I, on...
1: I know if I sprung this on you you'd be a lot swearier.
0: Oh, I've been on Twitter for a few days talking... Tweets I've posted and then talking to people back and forth through DMs and even having conversations with some people on, like, Facebook and other places, like, just talking about this. (laughs) I'm not... Like, I'm pretty well educated on gun control laws in the States, and if you want to talk to me about it, whether you're in the States yourself and you just don't have a good grasp on it or if you are from... Uh, one of our listeners from other countries who have questions or want to talk to me about it, feel free to. I've been discussing the the solutions all week with people. And I mean, like, you know, I don't claim to have like a magic solution. One of the things that I keep repeatedly saying but you're is You're not it, just like, going to say arm the teachers and yeah, they're solved. That's a terrible idea for many reasons. But no, the thing that I keep saying the most is no matter what we do, no matter what steps we take to fix it, everyone is going to have to. Be ready to dig in for the long haul. Because even if we got, you know, magic, the perfect gun control laws tomorrow, it would still take years for real effects to be felt because the United States has got pretty much as many guns as it has people. And it's going to take years for this to sort of disseminate out everywhere and to really start seeing effects from it. Yeah, which
1: is a problem in American politics because American politics for the most part, is extremely short-sighted on their expectations. They want solutions now. They want uh, to fix the problem now. They don't want to wait on the science. They don't want to have the debates. They want to solve it now.
0: And it just doesn't work. American politics reflect American business and capitalism. And I'm not sure how much of that is sort of chicken and egg. Like the United States was the perfect breeding ground for this, um, uh, for free market capitalism, which has an effect on politics, which creates, you know, better breeding grounds for free market capitalism, et etc. et cetera. And here we are. The goal of free market capitalism is as much profit as possible all the time, which leads to tons of short-term gains, but long-term losses. And American politics functions effectively the same. And it drives me bonkers. <laughs> up the wall well at least you could yell on twitter that provides some small amount of catharsis only problem is that we have our president doing the same thing yeah i yell at him a lot too
1: (laughs) yeah but unfortunately he won't listen to
0: you unless you're on fox news but but he doesn't hear you president no he wouldn't hear me i'm one of those educated liberals no, no no he has the note remember (laughs) <laughs> right right that stupid shit
1: i wish that was photoshopped i really wish it was
0: yeah how little empathy he has that he has to have a note card to remind him to essentially be kind to people you know not... it was
1: funny when it was on doctor who
0: yeah it's funny when it's fake it's funny when it's fiction but but he's also narcissistic enough that uh
1: his cuff is, also has uh, the number forty-five on it.
0: Yeah. Oh, American okay.
1: politics suck. Yeah, they do. Uh, do we really have anything else here outside of this entire thing is bullshit?
0: <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I think that's enough politics, if we can help it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, shall we uh, yell at the ESRB instead?
0: Yeah, let's move on to the ESRB uh, because the hey, ES- more bullshit. Yep, the ESRB announces a label covering in-game purchases. Yeah, which this was like-
1: announced today. Uh, well, the day of recording, Tuesday. So, uh, at first, I had this good laugh. It's like, oh, <laughs> they're finally moving. Yeah, it's a sidestep.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean they are moving. You're right, but it, but it is a sidestep. So, reading the the article, the the actual article yeah, from the- PC Gamer says. They tackle loot boxes with new in-game purchases label on boxes, uh box copies of games. Yeah, the PC Gamer article,
1: the headline for that is complete clickbait. I uh, far but- prefer the game industry biz when
0: ESRB responds to loot box controversy with in-game purchase label. That's it. Right, and basically the in-game purchase label boils down to the thing on the Google Play Store and the iTunes store that says in-app purchases, which is
1: fucking useless because literally everything on the store has it, and that's what uh, the ESRB is doing. Any DLC that is uh, has an option to buy in-game would have this label.
0: Yep, that's from, it. That, that's the entire
1: from, that's the entire requirement. It's not loot boxes. It's literally anything. It's uh, cosmetic stuff. It's DLC, uh, levels, uh, uh, expansion level content,
0: loot boxes, anything. Which, in the modern market, is pretty much every game. Pretty much every game has some sort of digital content in it, um... I was about to say bigger games tend to just be DLC and expansions, but that's not true anymore.
1: Yeah, uh, shall we uh, have a, a quote? This is from the picture who this is. This is uh, from plati- Patricia Vance, who is the uh, president of the ESRB. All right. Uh, I'm sure you're all asking, and I'm going to try to prevent uh, using my condescending voice on this. I'm sure you're all asking why we aren't doing something more specific to loot boxes. And I'll tell you, we've done a lot of research over the past several weeks and months, particularly among parents. What we learned is that a large majority of parents don't know what a loot box is, and even those who claim they do don't really understand what a loot box is. So it's very important for us to not harp on loot boxes per se, but to make sure capturing loot boxes, but also other... Or in-game transactions. Fuck you! Uh, sorry, sorry, I editorialized there a little bit. <laughs> I, I
0: mean, I... C- continuing on, I, I want to read the second part. Parents need simple information. We can't overwhelm them with a lot of detail. We need to be clear, concise, and make it easy for them. We have not found that parents are differentiating between a lot of these different mechanics. They just know there might be something in a game that they can spend money on. Fuck you! Thank you. I was about to say that.
1: Uh, I mean, it doesn't make a fucking lick of difference if every single fucking game on the shelf has this label. And it will have this label. That's the thing. It's going to be like the in the App Store, where literally every game, almost, I would say 99% of the games in the App Store, has in-app purchases on it. Do you think that's a fair assessment?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's very rare to see a game that doesn't say contains in-app purchases. And that's going to be the same thing for the triple-A gaming industry.
1: It's going to be very rare to not see a game that hasn't this label. And even the ones that don't have it could fucking patch it in later and it wouldn't apply because it's past the ESRB's rating term.
0: Yeah. Which I didn't even think of that right up front. I I watched Jim Sterling's video that he put up, like, immediately after this, and he said that too. He was And he was just like, they could put it in afterwards. Just food for thought.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I thought of
0: that beforehand, because
1: uh, Jim Sterling pretty much said exactly what I was thinking on this. Which, I'm not sure if that's uh, good on me or bad on him. But, it's... Uh, it's completely useless. This is they call. They say this is uh, several steps forward. This is a couple of steps forward. We'll continue to work with the industry to ensure that uh, there are effective uh, disclosures about in-game purchases uh, in general, and more specifically loot boxes. So, if there's uh, more we could do, we will. This is literally
0: nothing. This is a sidestep.
1: Fucking idiot. I, yeah,
0: I don't really see what the point of this is. I'll tell you exactly what the point of this is. It's to uh, get uh, Chris Lee off their back. No, I I understand that. I see that. What I'm saying is to explain that further, I don't see the point because the people who are going to know enough about the ESRB and about these ratings and about gaming in general are going to know that this is useless. And the people who don't know are probably never going to know. Because they don't check that stuff. They don't give a shit. It doesn't, you know, enter their minds. They're either not interested or they trust their kids or a little too much or, you know, this something is like that. This
1: pretty much try to undermine uh, the growing support because those who understand uh, will say this is really bad. But then uh, those who don't, who are trying to, you know, get the uh, support generated, will see, well, the ESRB is labeling all these games that they have in-app purchases, or you know whatever they call it uh, in the end. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's labeled. What more do you want?
0: I think I'm gonna do a test. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna have to formulate this a little bit, oh. but I'm gonna show this to my parents and my sister-in-law while she's here. My dad doesn't play video games at all. Mom only plays World of Warcraft, and my sister-in-law only plays games like mobile apps. And I don't know how I'm gonna formulate this together, but I'm gonna somehow bring this up with them and see what they think about it, and just see what happens. Katie is she spends too much time with me, so I couldn't use her as a test subject. Or Katie, <laughs> no. But re- remind me, I'll, I'll set a like an alarm on my phone or something. But remind me, like text me on Friday <laughs> and be like, hey, remember to talk to your mom about. The ESRB deal. Hey,
1: remember, talk to your mom, man.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I, on the one hand, like, I, I totally get why they're doing this. I know you're absolutely right. They're trying to take some of the pressure off, trying to make it look like they're doing something, but really they're not doing anything. I've seen it a million times in PR and in politics and et cetera, et cetera. But outside of that, I don't really see the point of this. And maybe... I don't know, maybe I'm just not giving them or stupidity or ignorance enough credit. But I just feel like that this is something that if you know about it, it obviously you're going to be able to see through the bullshit. And if you don't know about it, this seems like something that you're never going to come in contact with and that won't matter.
1: Well, uh, kind of related to this is that the ESA, the uh, Entertainment Software Association, has been sending lobbyists to Hawaii to try to uh, curtail the uh, loot box Oh, lol, did you
0: see that? Uh, no, I didn't see that at all.
1: Oh, it- it's fucking hilarious. Uh, they sent probably the world's worst lobbyists who can't answer even what the fuck a loot box is. Wow. Uh, I'm- I'm gonna have to, uh, probably put that in the show notes. It was a Yong Ye video, because, uh, he, uh, did a couple- he did a, like, a super, uh, cut of,
0: uh, just the lobbyist uh, floundering in very basic questions. I need to just subscribe to Young A, because he's I, come up several times on the show.
1: always he's one of my uh, sources for uh, more obscure uh, stuff.
0: But, yeah, he's... Uh,
1: uh, he, he did a video on the lobbyist, and that, well, one looked like uh, he just rolled out of bed. <laughs> it was still incoherent. And the other one just couldn't answer a question. and would just say, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right, let's just put it this way. It was so bad, I... Thought it was a joke at first. I like the end of this PC Gamer article where then I'm just going to summarize the last couple of paragraphs. But basically they're saying that they're wondering if they're framing this as protecting children. Because to suggest that perhaps adults need protection from loot boxes um, would lend credence from the industry to the known fact that these loot boxes uh, target people with uh, addiction issues specifically like gambling addiction. Yeah, which comes back around to the Rhode Island thing where they're more
1: targeting it towards uh trying to protect the children when it's not really just about the children.
0: Yeah. It's but trying to protect still... the vulnerable, which isn't just children. But there's still this perception from vi- about video games particularly from older the older generation that they're a, well, a toy for children as opposed to a legitimate hobby.
1: Well, that's honestly uh, Uh, really Nintendo still (laughs) Uh, try to just play off the children aspect. Yeah, and uh, making themselves uh, appear like a toy because that's how they got into the North American gaming market to begin with. And they never really let up that uh, image of being a toy over a video game. And honestly, for the older generation,
0: a video game console is still a Nintendo. Yep. It took years when I was a kid it's and a not teenager a Nintendo, for, Mom. for Yeah. It's not a Nintendo, it's a PlayStation or it's an Xbox. It's a game console. Eventually they got it. My grandmother though still calls everything. Actually she doesn't anymore. She used to call everything the Nintendo, but now she just calls it the video games. That's just her way of talking about. It. She's like, Oh, you play it? you still play them video games? <laughs> yes, Mimi, I still play video games. Aww... She's she's given up on telling me that one day I'll grow out of them. She used to tell me that. <laughs> Especially in college. She's like, Oh, you're getting to that age. You're gonna grow out of those video games and you'll get into responsible adult activities. Like did And they? I'm like and I'm like, what? And she's like, Well, you could pick up a garden or farming or you could go hunting more. Oh, I'm doing that right now. Or fishing. Doing it. I'm 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 taking my warframe, gonna get spear fishing. I'm like I'm not interested in that stuff, Mimi. I don't I don't care about that. Oh, older people. Old people. One day, I really hope I'm not that person when I'm old. Yeah. I hope that I've been born after the point in history where that even if I don't understand technology, I'm not like just putting it down or understanding new advances, I'm not just like putting them down. Like, back in my day, this was better. No, not really. But the only thing that was better back in your day was uh the environment because we just hadn't had enough time to completely trash it yet. Yeah, well, it. it
1: really depends on uh where you lived because, yeah. You know, uh if the coal industry is anything to go by, certain areas weren't better off back in the day. I would suppose most cities weren't better off either just because of smog. Well, yeah, you know, the old London fog which yeah. Which was really uh, just smog back in the day from all the uh, uh, stoves and everything and all the uh, coal being burned in uh, the inner city. I mean, yeah. that's what the uh, London fog was. It's not, uh, London isn't a foggy city,
0: it was polluted. A lot of cities in Asia have had that problem in recent years, particularly in China, just because they have population issues and they went through their sort of industrial ah, revolution is the wrong word but they Evolution? went through, they, yeah they went through their sort of united states in the 80s 70s and 80s uh back in uh the early 2000s late 2000s although on the flip side china is now the world leader in environmentalism i guess is the best way to say yeah, it yeah didn't they just they got that all of they
1: were redeploying a lot of their troops to plant trees
0: yeah yeah, they're trying to plant. Well, see, they're uh, they're trying to reverse that Chinese hoax, you know. I think they're trying to plant a million acres of trees by 2020, 2025. Well, To be fair, they do have the band power. They've already hit their target for like they've hit their their first like self projected targets for uh, solar and alternative energy developments early. They hit their twenty twenty target at the end of twenty seventeen. And they're expected to hit their 2030 target by 2025. Yeah, meanwhile, our government is doing the best they can to shut down the solar in- industry. On the bright side, uh, when it comes to... I see what to, you do that, uh, said there. Yeah. yeah, on the bright side, when it comes to the U.S. political machine, despite the fact that everyone at the very top... Well, not everyone, but most people at the very top are the worst because of the way our government disseminates from federal to state level. There are a lot of states that are... Passing enough laws and working towards in uh, green energy and things like that that we're still meeting some of the initial goals that we were uh, set to meet when the Paris Climate Deal was first put together a few years ago. Yeah, but not my state. No, not my state either, but California, New York, basically your liberal states are uh, carrying everyone along, as they usually do. But we're way off topic now. <laughs> Yeah, but this is at least slightly more positive politics. Uh. I don't really have anything else to say about the ESRB deal. It's a waste of time. It's stupid. It's completely a PR move. We all know it, and we just have to wait to see whether or not it'll work in terms of PR. It obviously won't work to do anything, except, honestly, I think make this whole situation more confusing. Because people have been saying for months now, some people for years, that loot boxes and microtransactions in these games are bad. And I'm sure there's a a group of parents out there who have heard that these things are bad, have not done any more research, and suddenly they're going to see every game have this label. And then there'll be just a knee-jerk reaction. Yep. <sighs> so we'll see. Once again, a uh, short-sighted American politics. Goody. Well, do you want to peruse over or mosey on over to our last news topic, or yeah, do you I'll, want to skip? I
1: think it'll be a short one. Because it's, oh, fucking stupid.
0: Yep. So, a flight sim group put malware in one of its Jet DLCs for the game and called it DRM. And this was <laughs> legitimate malware that was doing things like key logging no no, and... no, 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 no,
1: It's even worse than that. It was a complete password dump from Chrome. Well, that's- I was getting there. I was getting there. It wasn't a key logger.
0: Well, I saw somewhere that it was also logging- uh,
1: See, I didn't see that. I just saw- uh... Uh, maybe I just saw the initial uh, uh, reports on it, that it was a password dumper for Chrome, which is just fucking ridiculous. Uh, Essentially, the the, the entire idea of this is that they wanted to dox people that were pirating their add-ons for flight sims. And they were going to do that by distributing malware in all their flight sim uh, add-ons, and any uh, time it encountered a What they called a compromised serial key, which, honestly, even if it encounters that, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a pirate to begin with, because it could be a legitimate key that somebody else uh, compromised. It would activate, dump all their info, send it to them so that they could take action.
0: Yep. So the the it was later found out that this game was all or not game. This malware was getting people's credit card information, um, and other PC password and information via the key logger. So they would essentially be have have all of these people's credit card information, which is illegal, extremely illegal. illegal. Uh, that works out to uh fraud. Yeah, and credit card fraud and even. If they hit the, uh, pirate that they were going after,
1: this is an admissible in court, because it's illegal to obtain this information this way.
0: Yep, and they would lose, because their offense would be worse. They would- they would lose a lawsuit in a heartbeat. A- a company, um, stealing people's credit card information. And using it to take funds. Yeah, and even the entire idea is just, <laughs>
1: It's just mind-bogglingly stupid, because even if this was all, you know, completely inactive and just hiding in the background, this is opening up an attack vector. This is the same thing that Sony did with the Root Kit. Remember that a few years ago on uh, their audio CDs? It, mm, yes. It, it, uh, for uh, li- the listeners, uh, uh, several years ago, there was a Root Kit on Sony uh, audio CDs, which... Do I have to sit and uh, explain what an audio CD is? I don't think so. I think we're all old enough here. Okay, well, uh, if you put it in your computer, first thing it did, it installed a rootkit. A rootkit is a base-level malware that is under the OS, and it is fucking hard to get rid of without very specialized software. (laughs) And what this was doing was, it was DRM, and it would hide itself by just having the OS not be able to see a particular file name. Then, the information got out that this rootkit existed and you started seeing viruses being distributed with this file name so it would just get blanked out by the OS and you couldn't touch it because it was in this rootkit. It was protected by this rootkit. And Sony got sued, lost, and I think they had to pay everyone something per uh, CD or something because they got
0: slapped on the wrist because Sony... Yeah, and the lawyers would have gotten most of the money anyways. That's how class actions work. Yeah. Uh,
1: but it's the same basic idea. This is opening up an attack vector. So it, even if they're saying, well, this is completely benign, uh, trust us. You're still opening up your customers to an attack. You fucking idiots. It's
0: just, how, the, yep. how the hell did they think this was a good idea? Also, did we say what company it was? It's Flight Sim Labs. Uh, No, it's Flight
1: Sim Labs. Yeah, which they make planes to download for Microsoft Flight Simulator, and this was particularly on their Airbus, which uh, Airbus add-on, which was a hundred dollar plane. I mean, damn! First of all, yeah, Uh, that's an expensive plane. I mean, that's uh, you could get a, a, a ticket on an airplane for that.
0: Maybe. Well, if red get eye. the right, fl- yeah, right flight at the right time, but uh, I mean, this just completely uh, breaks uh, the trust.
1: I-, I would never work with, uh, yeah, de- uh, deal with these guys.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't either, ever after this.
1: And uh, they uh, uh, said that they, well, we're just after one particular DNA Harm, fuck you.
0: And even if, just for sake of argument, even if they were perfect little angels with all this information they collected and never did anything bad with it, they're gonna have some documents sitting around with hundreds, thousands of people's credit card information, and if they ever have a data breach, they're liable for that. Plus, all of the people who are going to have their information stolen and have credit cards. What do you mean, if? If, uh, well... uh, if they are collecting this
1: information and this got out, which it did pretty much instantly, because uh, antiviruses started saying, hey boss, there's something going on here. Yeah, it, it, It's just a honeypot for hackers. Hackers would have a fucking field day with them. Because they were too fucking stupid to even try to hide their malware. They called it test.exe. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just a pretty much a standard Chrome uh, password dumper, uh, well, plus some other things it seems that, that I didn't read about, uh, that was just renamed and that was it. I mean, antiviruses went berserk about it uh, instantly. So they're fucking stupid. And that's even yep. before the uh, you know, the entire idea.
0: Yeah, I don't know how this idea got past the, all of the meetings and board rooms. Like, this is one of those things, like, Do you not have anybody in your company that stood up and said no? Although maybe they did, and maybe the execs were just like, Ah, people are too stupid to notice. We'll be fine.
1: Uh, Only the pirates would know about that. And, uh, you know, they're breaking the law. Nobody's gonna listen to them. Yeah. They did? Uh, I mean, this doesn't... Well, they were also trying to pass the blame. The the person that broke it, the news, said, "Uh, Our records don't show that you own a, a cereal." So, how did you get our installer? So, uh, maybe they, uh, it was a pirate that was speaking up, but that's still beside the point. <laughs> yeah.
0: Two wrongs don't make a right. But, uh, but one... three
1: wrongs make a left?
0: Or Maybe. They did later apologize and said that they wouldn't do it again, but, I mean, that doesn't really would, change anything would, for I, me. I
1: would, yeah. Grand, mostly because I can't afford spending $100 on a single airplane, but it's that's beside the point yeah uh, but uh, but the uh, quote we realized that a few of you were uncomfortable with this particular method that might be considered a bit heavy-handed on our part <laughs> that, that's an actual quote by the way
0: i'm sure it is i like it when companies basically just say hey you know what we fucked up instead of this like well, some people may be a little bit upset about this, and you know what? We hear you. It's, no, fuck you. No, no,
1: I hear you. Well, I see, it's on the. I didn't have, my I didn't,
0: I didn't have my Trump cue card. So. <laughs> Alrighty, I think that pretty much wraps that up. Yeah. What would you like to do now? Uh, I think we have time for doobly Do. Alrighty, then let's go to the discovery queue because
1: we don't have any uh, community corner. Negatory, and I get one immediately off the bat. Hopefully, well, that's I, good. hopefully I purged all the uh, uh, visual novels or a good chunk of a uh, list. Which unfortunately I closed the show notes, so I have to sp- quickly scroll down. Uh, the f- one I got is called Abandoned Ship. This I've seen uh, some talk going on about this. It's, this is essentially uh, a, a a sailing ship FTL like game where you're. Uh, uh, going around uh, uh, in kind of a sandbox uh, uh, world, uh, p- a pirate ship uh, d- uh, dealing with kraken and uh, various cults. It looks like it has some mixed reviews though, so uh, it may just be uh, lack of content because this is an early access. Uh, but Paul's, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, active Paul's uh, very FTL like. It's interesting. It's one that I'm going to keep on my uh, uh,
0: my eye on all right i got one pretty early on let me scroll to the right place on the sheet uh sos i just
1: got that on my discovery queue as well it was my second game
0: (laughs) sos looks like a or it is a game that is a sort of arena type thing but it, it says that it's dropped 16 players on an island where you have to outwit and outthink your opponents, uh, this is essentially get off the island. A, 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 a
1: almost Battle Royale-esque, where you're having to, uh, work together to, uh, take an, uh, a relic and then get it off the island, or someone that gets it off the island wins. If that's what this, uh, is, uh, if this is the same game I'm thinking of.
0: Yeah, it is. I've heard some things about this game it's that it's actually really interesting, uh, and when you have the right group, it's one of those things, like multiplayer only. When you have the right group, it's an excellent game. That, which is, I've heard that on uh, a couple of podcasts I listened to. They had some early time with it uh, end of last year. And, like, their sort of final beta before releasing into early access. Um, it seems interesting. I don't think it's really up my alley. Like, I just don't really care that much for this type of game. But on the, on the surface, it doesn't look bad. So, and it's interesting. If I got a review key, I'd play it, but I don't think I'd ever buy it.
1: Yeah, pretty much the same here. Okay, uh, Heights. This, uh, looks like it's uh, essentially trying to be Harvest Moon, which I have no problem with. (laughs) Uh, we need more Harvest Moon-like games. Uh, uh, there's a resurgence of them, but there's very few that are very good. This does look like it's being very highly rated, though, so that is definitely a plus. It looks like it's closer to what old-school Harvest Moon is, was to, uh, than what Stardew Valley is. Uh, where this is more on the social aspect side of things and just hardcore farming instead of uh, being a little bit of everything like Stardew what is. But, it's an interesting uh, uh side of things.
0: So I got one. I think, this one is a visual- Oh, sorry. So I was about to say I, I, I'm
1: trying to figure out if this is the one I heard about because there's one that has a sort of a Cthulhu-esque feel to it as well later on and uh it does look like he's fighting a tentacle so maybe
0: alrighty well I did get one that was a visual novel but I have had several non-visual novel games on my list so far so this is called My Life as a Maiden uh you play a boy who looks very much like a girl whose mother transfers you to an all-girls school because you're so bullied at your regular old high school. I think I've seen this you have to, You have to pass off as a girl. I, I like the idea of that. I don't know if this is a more serious or more schlocky. It's difficult to tell from the pictures, but I don't see, like, check out them boobies being advertised on these pictures, so hopefully it's a more serious, interesting story. Maybe like a a romantic comedy or something like that. I could go for that.
1: Uh, Well, I got uh, the new Paradox Interactive game, Surviving Mars. Ooh. Uh, Essentially, I think, uh, essentially, City Skylines, only Mars. I mean, that's pretty much (laughs) what we're looking at here. It's building a Mars colony. And it's a Paradox game. Well, a Paradox published game. This is... Hintermost games, which have, it is the Tropico developer. <laughs> so, Tropico on Mars.
0: Nice. I could go for that. Created,
1: I imagine that there's going to be a fuckload of DLC for this. Because it's the Tropico developer.
0: Yeah, they do have a tendency for putting in.
1: But, we, is there any uh, really good Mars uh, colonization games outside of Anna?
0: Uh I think, yeah. I think there's an Anno What's, Mars. No. Anno twenty two oh five, you just go to the moon. Okay, maybe that's what I was thinking of. What is it? What's the one where it's like you own corporations on Mars? Um There's a another another game that's like this. I can't think of it. It's on my wish list, and I think someone suggested that I should buy it a couple of times over other games when I've been <laughs> like, I'm not sure exactly what game I want to buy on this sale. Damn it. You you people out there listening, tweet it to Rage, what the game is, and me too. But yeah, there's, there's uh, and there's uh, another Gaming one CR t- By the way, yeah, there's another one too. It does look like it's... they're doing
1: multiple versions uh, with uh, a, a different art and that sort of things. Uh, and there's a season pass, so yeah, they're gonna go nuts with DLC. So
0: this is probably something I'll pick up in like 2021, <laughs> maybe. But yeah, there's there's another one too that I can't quite think of the name of it. Um, where that? What was the survival or town building survival game or whatever that? Banished. Banished. It's made by the same people who made Banished, I believe. And it was it's sci-fi and one of the planets I think is Mars. Anyways, yeah. I'm not gonna spend more time sputtering trying to remember what that game is. And thank you for that. <laughs> For what? Stop sputtering. Oh, thanks. Or, you're welcome.
1: I don't think Banished, uh, no, the Banished developer
0: hasn't put anything else on Steam, so it's not the Banished developer. Okay, well, it's like a sci-fi version of Banished, basically.
1: I think I know what you're talking about, and it, uh, kind of disappointed me because it didn't have much content. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm out of, uh, Discovery queue.
0: As am I. As uh, I had three. That's probably good enough. I had two. A lot of mediocre stuff. I'm I very had, disappointed. I, I a, haven't. I still had a few that were trash tier. Yeah, I had a couple of visual novels. I think I had three in total. I think uh, about a quarter of mine were uh, visual novels, and none of them looked good. I had several things that I'm pretty sure that Steam is recommending to me because I've been playing Shadowrun. Pretty much exclusively for the last week. Yeah, which we'll hear With, about that next week, but I don't want any story spoilers because I keep. It, uh, I, I've i been intending to play it. Yeah. Sh- yep, I can't wait to talk about them. Shadow and Returns and Dragonfall. I don't have the third one. What is it? Hong Kong something? Hong All Kong, right, whatever Fui? the third. Yeah, sure. I don't have the third one, but. Returns and Dragonfall. Excellent games. Just, uh. You know, a quick word. But I will go into much more depth about the games next week. And yes, I'll avoid story spoilers, but there's still a lot of mechanical content and some general things I can talk about for those games. But total, I've played them for 40 hours the last last week or so. When did the bundle release that had them in it? Because I got it the day it released.
1: Oh, last week now, so...
0: Yeah, that's all I've played this
1: last week. You're slowly getting, uh, well, I shouldn't say slow, you are getting past your whole uh,
0: aversion to asymmetric games. Well, I don't really like the games, but I really like Shadowrun as a universe, and the storytelling is excellent, so I'll get much more deep into that next week, but yeah, I have a lot of problems with these games as games. But it's so damn good. The story and the setting is so damn good. Oh, no. What? Oh, no. Humble is having a CCP sale, which are the people who make Uh EVE Online.
1: Well, uh, I'm going to need the backup co-host next week.
0: Oh, God. Close. Resist. Those spaceships look so good, though. Come, Come back towards the light. Alright, let's just move on since we're done with the Discovery queue to the part of the podcast where I go first and tell you what's coming up this week. So, uh, keen-eared viewers will notice that I did not talk about Black Panther on the show this week. That is because, in the nature of conserving time, I just decided in the back of my head I probably shouldn't do that in case we go long on other topics. Which we did. Which we pretty much did. So, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna record myself having my thoughts about Black Panther and answering people's questions, and I'm gonna put that on my YouTube channel. I may also stick it at the end after the song, or after our uh, our ending credits, if you were, as a, a post credit scene in our podcast. Ah! I'm, pro- I'm way more excited about that idea than I probably should be. But I, I may do that um, if I get it done in time. Got a busy week prepping for the sister-in-law to get here, but, uh, Yeah, you'll be able to find all of those thoughts on the YouTube channel and possibly at the end of the podcast after the song. Otherwise, there are more Kerbal episodes going up. I'm a little past the halfway point for having episodes rendered and uploaded, and the next chunk will be coming, obviously, this week at some point. Uh, And that's all that I've got on the docket for right now. I'm working on a couple of other things, my Elite... Uh, dangerous tutorial series is still on hold. They just today pushed the update from beta to live. So I've got to get in there and see what's changed and sort of figure out my new approach. Uh, I'd like to have something ready by next week for that, but we'll see. I've, like I said, I've got a busy week leading up to the weekend and then I've already got plans to do stuff. Combination of hanging out with you guys and a combination of hiding in the office with the door locked. Uh, nice I, love my... <laughs> I love my sister not to death, but she can be frustrating, let's say.
1: Well, I have a feeling there's a story there.
0: There are a lot of stories there that I'm not going to tell openly on the podcast because I respect both my wife and my sister-in-law. And you don't want to get killed. But, uh, but, but uh, look at it this way. We have Friday. Yeah. But they, they can be particularly my sister-in- law can be frustrating so so there will be some time hiding with like a pillow <laughs> over my face going i'm not here you can't find me uh, put on your
1: uh that uh, oh, that one's not comfortable me
0: that's what she said uh just put on your uh uh yeah your turtle shirt and, and yeah. <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> Um, but anyways, so if you want to find my YouTube content, you can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist. If you want to follow me on Twitter, where you can see me, uh, hurl inserts at inserts, insults at the president and discuss, uh, gun control. Our only problem with that is that you have to follow the dipshit as well. Yeah. You can do so at JMA4707. If you want to watch me stream games on Twitch, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. I apologize for canceling last week's stream, sort of last minute, but something came up and I had to go see my parents uh, on Thursday evening, and I did not... I was worried I wasn't going to make it back in time to be ready to stream, and I was correct. But this Thursday, as long as nothing happens, everything should be back on track... And I made a boo-boo and didn't have the stream schedule pulled up already. Although I guess by the time you hear this, it'll be past Thursday. So I'll post the stream schedule on Twitter and a tweet about what we will be streaming. I'm also considering doing a little additional streaming on another night of the week. Sort of some solo stuff. Uh, I've got a few games that I think would be fun to stream. Uh, So we will see. Also, if you want to... Uh, be my friend on Steam, where you can chat with me about all kinds of things. That's one of the easiest ways to chat with me. You can do so by sending me a friend request. Uh, My username is jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests and enjoy talking to the lovely, lovely people of our audience about all kinds of things and receiving questions to ask on the show, which I, just so that you guys know, who sent me questions this week, I have them, but we, just because of the news this week, we didn't have time to to go over them beforehand and pick a question. So, I've got them. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, we had too much good news to, well, not good news, but,
1: yeah, you know, uh, topics that we could talk about. Yeah. We don't want to let them wait. But if you wish to know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is, Welcome to Earth.
0: <laughs> if welcome to Earth, not Welcome to Earth. Well, I was going to, you, to Earth. Uh, correct me. Welcome to Earth. He actually does say Earth. It's pretty clear that he says Earth, but somehow that, that got started, and it's just funny.
1: Well, until you explain that. Indeed. Uh, so, for me, I ended up not doing Civ this week, because I had forms to do, and I was trying to get some more uh, time to, on uh, Xenonaut. So. And honestly, Civ is not drawing, well, I should say any audience, but Kyle's watching it every so often, so I do got that going for me. And he's probably uh, laughing at all my mistakes, but... Uh, Rimworld is going on nicely. I've had Katie show up, so... Uh, Katie's around, for now. Yay! Yeah, uh, Katie's not a, a particularly pleasant person to be around. She's kind of a psychopath, but... Oh, boy. If I can me, she has the psychopath trait. <laughs> Yeah, uh, don't tell her so I don't get uh, hurt, please. <laughs> okay. Uh, and while well, Divinity is still waiting to be recorded, <laughs> we have two episodes recorded from, what, a month and a half ago now? Two months?
0: Yeah, before we got sick and have managed to miss every night for a while. Yeah, it's either got
1: sick, had uh, to do meetings for uh, uh, episode 100, uh, you get sick again, <laughs> uh, have other things to work on so we'll eventually get it done maybe. I do have an idea for uh, what I want to do after it I'm going to have to uh, pass by you because it requires a lot more work but it uh, should be uh, more interesting or just be completely ignored like all the rest of our content. Okay Uh, but yeah the Sunday Sampler also just uh, it didn't get recorded this week because well you'll find out next week I- I'm going to talk about all the games I tried playing for it, and yeah. We're we're going to have a long games we played uh, next week, because it's going to be three weeks worth of games. (laughs) Yeah. I may have to pare that down a little bit.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I don't know how many different games I'm going to play this week. This might be a good week to, well, I mean, this would be a good week for me to do some Elite Dangerous testing, because I wouldn't be talking about that on games I played. Thankfully. Wait, did I
1: say that out loud? Uh, but yeah, Sunday Samplers well, hopefully will uh, return this uh, week. Grand, haven't really gotten any review keys yet. Well, I did get one, but it's something that I really can't review. Uh, as a lark, I put in a re- uh, for a review copy of the All Marks Pack for Dirty Bomb, and I got it. nice. I, I did that like a year ago. <laughs> I probably should play more Dirty Bomb. Uh, maybe that should be on the game uh, on the one well, the not well not the game club but you know, on a stream night thing. It's just a, a bit frustrating to really get in because damn them, the community in that game is uh, a toxic cell. But that's really uh, multiplayer gaming these days, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah, kind of sad, huh? Used to be uh, all on to the Xbox. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should it's just, still there. Maybe
0: I should just mute all our communications. Well, I, I used to do that when I played games on Xbox.
1: Uh, But yeah, uh, hopefully the Sunday Sampler will all be back this week. I haven't recorded my evergreen content. Uh, spent time on Xenonauts. <laughs> and that's why the Sunday Sampler was it this week, was because I didn't have uh, the evergreen content set. So yeah, it's just, I uh, need to sit down and do all that. Maybe there is a reason why I'm so few subscribers. <laughs> uh, but if you were to help to contribute to that, well, then you don't really have to do anything, do you? But if you were to help prove me wrong, I heard that laugh. Uh, you could uh, head over to Gaming with Caffeine Rage, where uh, content should be coming once again. And I'm very tempted just to drop Civ and move on to something else, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, It's just uh, kind of disappointing that there's literally no views on that because it does take quite a while. Uh, But yeah, Gaming with Caffeine Rage through the YouTubes or Gaming with CR if you were to see me tweet about who knows what. Uh, I think my last tweet was talking about old time radio and how it's kind of weird to hear uh, the actors that uh, died of uh, lung cancer uh, hard sell cigarettes. I mean, uh, if you've ever listened to old time radio, it's not just, you know, A cigarette ad here or there they hard sell and talk about the health benefits and no I'm not joking (laughs) just uh, really weird whenever you sit down and think about it but if you also wish to get really weird with us you do so vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming related topics questions or just tweet them to us vglpodcast and you have 200 some characters to be weird with us with there if you want to pay for this absolute madness, you can do so at patreon.com slash vglpodcast, which helps pay for our Podbean account, vglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the RSS feed, our show notes, or you can just go to iTunes, Google Play, or either of our YouTube channels to listen to the podcast If you do, if you do not wish to mess with the RSS feed. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin Kaloid, and our discovery key music is doobly-doo by the same artist. You can find his work at Incomputech.com, and I hear you chuckling.
0: <laughs> That's right, because as always, this is lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Buh-bye now. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> Welcome to Earth, motherfucker. Also, also, bye-bye.
1: Mel's, does putting our uh, official sweetener in a uh, microwave uh, change the type of cancer you
0: get? Mmm, that's a, some glib placebo. Speaking of placebo! <laughs> I don't I don't really think that's a good transition, but... Alright. Uh, that would be a better president. <laughs> yeah, or at least we'd think he was a better president. Because placebo, get it? Yeah.